I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, high voltage down with the New World Order, bionic. Mm, a continuing theme with you, my dear friend Tom. It's like my life. I understand. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're back for a new week with the Future Quake Show. And we have a guest, uh, that a new guest of our show that has written a book that has really impressed us. Mm-hmm. And we highly recommend you get your hands on this book. I like the cover. Uh, I knew I was going to like it when I saw the cover. It's got a pretty incredible cover uh, with a lot of the characters like David Rockefeller and others uh, on it. But we'll have to let you take a look at the website. The name of the book is The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective, written by uh, Andrew Hoffman. And we're going to be talking with him today about a rediscovered biblical worldview of the world's power structures and their satanic techniques and agenda. Pretty light, pretty airy, pretty fluffy. Well, I will say uh, what this book is, and I, I don't know if it will come across in this interview, but it is sort of a soup-to-nuts compilation of the different facets of the New World Order and the satanic mm-hmm. system in the world. It puts it all in one very brief compendium for you to see the big picture mm-hmm. uh, from a very sold-out Christian that has an open mind but understands the big picture. And uh, I think we probably need to cut away to him. So no further ado, here is Andrew Hoffman, uh, author of A New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective. And we'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, ready to strangle the New World Order right down to the ground, bionic. Wow, one of the more interesting middle names recently. Feeling pumped. Well, I'm pumped too because we have a guest that I have been excited about for a number of weeks. Uh, Something that just literally fell out of the sky, or at least... Um, the book got about? passed through via Tom Bionic it to me. It did sort of fall out of the sky because they both got thrown at me from, from it, our brother Chris. Is that right? Yeah. Is that brother right, Chris? Brother, brother Chris to mm-hmm. you. And mm-hmm. uh, Tom Bionic, one uh, mysterious Wednesday night prayer meeting, brought me this book uh, with this very understated cover. And the title of the book was The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective, by a new book out by a gentleman by the name of Andrew John Hoffman. And we have him with us today, and we're going to talk about a rediscovered biblical worldview of the world's power structures and their satanic techniques and agenda. Um, Having said on that, Mr. Hoffman, it is a pleasure to have you on the Future Quake Show. Well, it is great to be here. I'm a a big fan of the quake. Thank you. That is so glad to hear from someone uh, who, once once our listeners get a hold of your book. Our other listener, that's right. You know who you are out there. Uh, once they get a hold of your book and realize what an insightful person you are uh, in discerning uh, in the way that you've put this information together, um, that'll be a real compliment to us that you spoke that well of us because I think you've put together a critically important book, and I cannot impress it upon our listeners how important it is for them to get a hold of this book. Uh, I think itself it will be a portal for their friends to come to understand what's really going on in the world and will open their doors up to understand things like Future Quake or some of the other references that you had uh, in your book. Uh, you know, as I've said, I'm so glad that you uh, forwarded your book on to us to review. Uh, and I think that what we're going to talk about is going to resonate m- with many of our current listeners. And the conclusions in your book really match up with many of our opinions here at Future Quake we've expressed. 
And uh, even the content, as I mentioned to you, of your book mirrors much of the content I've been working on in two books that I've been working on. So we were definitely on the same wavelength on uh, some of these things we've been going. Uh, To begin our substantial discussion that we have ahead of us, could you share with us a little bit about your background and credentials and how you came to know the Lord? Sure, um, and thanks for that, that those kind words about the book. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in a town called Hood River, Oregon, and uh, with uh, believing parents, and my, my grandpa was the, the pastor of our church here for quite a few years, and um, so I was I was fortunate to, to grow up in a home um, that emphasized uh, Christian truth and. Uh, I'd say the, the first time I, um, you know, quote unquote, pray, prayed the prayer and accepted Jesus into my heart was uh, when I was very young, probably um, about three years old. But um, just growing up and, and learning, there was there was gradual growth there, and then um, a big shift for me when I had um, graduated from high school and, and went away to school in Arizona. I uh, that was a started a period of time where it was um, searching and, and trying to figure out you know what I believe about God, what I believe about the world, what I believe about um, lots of things, and that period of time lasted uh, quite a while. And I would say about a year and a half ago, um, you know, through all sorts of different types of circumstances and information and some of the things that I um, share in the book as far as finding out about them and having my, my worldview change, um, it was it was kind of a, a new level of uh, commitment to my, to my Christian walk. It was um, kind of the realization that I had uh, kind of held on to my own dreams and my own ambitions and I hadn't... Um, completely given them over to God, and um, it it took a while to, to break me of that, and I'm sure that the, the process is still going on, but that was a big big shift um, mm-hmm. in a time of, of spiritual peace for me. And as far as uh, academic background and things, um, I, I went to college as an English literature major and a philosophy minor, which is as as everyone knows, is a very practical you know, <laughs> yeah. mode of study. And uh, so the first question everyone asks when you tell them you're an English major is um, either what are you going to do with that or don't worry, you have plenty of time to change your major. Or, <laughs> or uh, don't, majors don't matter much anyway. So, so that's, that, that, those were the reactions that I always got. But yeah. that was what I, I like those. I like those. That's those some real good. encouragers there. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. So, um, and then I, I graduated and found out that they were right. So mm-hmm. I, I realized um, I needed to do something where I could actually get a job. So I went back and got a master's degree in secondary education and taught high school English for about three years and then went over to uh, Korea and taught English over there for about 15 months. And, and north or uh, south? Um, well, I tried to go to North Korea, but they yeah. they, they don't allow any English there. So okay, okay, Korea. yeah, yeah. the friendly one, and uh, yeah, that was that was actually a great experience because I 
um, had plenty of time to research, and I had just gotten into um, all this information. Uh, Chris White's work over at um, Nowhere, to, Nowhere run. to Run podcast, yeah. and uh, Alex Jones, and all sorts of stuff. So that was a process of lots of hours of um, walking around on Korean hiking trails, listening to podcasts, and wow. researching things on the internet, and so, um, yeah, that's that's kind of where where the inspiration came from. There, a little background. So you were listening to this information in Korea on podcasts, walking around over there, and that was starting to formulate your mind. This worldview that ended up becoming part of this book. Yeah, yeah, that was huh. I I had read some things um, on nine eleven and other issues before, but that going over there, I, I had the time to really. Um, dig into it and and you know kind of separate the wheat from the chaff with right. all, all this stuff. So. Now, do, do do you happen to remember what some of the the portals on the internet were of regular information that introduced you to this kind of alternative information that that you know referred to in your book? How how you even became aware of some different views? Um, yeah, I, I think um, I was reading a. a David Ray Griffin book on 9-11, and he had lots of quotes from um, interviews on the Alex Jones show, so I started listening to that podcast, uh-huh. um, which the nice thing about his show is that he has on people from a fairly wide um, a fairly wide variety of people, so that led me all sorts of different places and um, different websites and, um, you know, YouTube channels and all, all sorts of things, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, you know, lots of sources will have some good information and some not so good. And, sure. Um, there's certainly a few that are more reliable than others. Right. I hope our listeners tonight consider this part of the good information on Future Quake. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was wish I, the same thing. <laughs> if I had found Future Quake before I had uh, finished the book, I would have just written out transcripts and. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> sweet. Thank except, you. except I have to admit. You know how to write it. Um, with someone of the skill and the clarity of speaking that you have in a way that you're able to package the thoughts, uh, I immediately knew that you must have been in your late 60s or early 70s, and I'm sure that's right, isn't it? Is that the age person uh, I'm talking to? Either that or late 20s, one or the other. Uh, late 20s. Awesome. That, what, people, when you get this book, you're not going to think someone in their late 20s wrote this book. You're going to think someone who's had a half a century of experience uh, that's able to put all the pieces together here, and I, I just consider that a God thing. Uh, one last question I want before we get into the more details of your book. Uh, you, you found some sources online, and this is instructive for us for future planning purposes. You, you found stuff online about asking questions about what's going on in the world. How did you find out that Christians were asking these questions too? What, what, what doors opened to you, and how did you first discover the Christian uh, part of this community? You know, I, I, I think... Um Chris White's Nowhere to Run channel was the first uh, on YouTube was the first real um, good Christian source where it was uh, that I had found. I'm not saying he, he was the first one total, but, um, you know, where it was someone who recognized that lots of this conspiracy stuff was legitimate, um, but was was also uh, willing to take Christianity seriously also and not... Mm-hmm. Um, lumping in Christianity with the rest of the, the world system. Right. 
So, so a simple keyword search on YouTube, I presume, would have you stumble into shows like that, correct? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember exactly how. I think it was, I forget which which video I saw first and um, subscribed to the rest of them, but I think it might have actually been on the um, the forums for PrisonPlanet.com. Ah, uh, okay. Um, which is. I would recommend, you know, some forums are, are pretty sketchy, but those yeah. those are good. They have good moderators, and there's a pretty strong Christian presence on them also. Hmm. Well, uh, it's important for us to know these things. They're not a distraction because all of our future listeners, at least the ones I hear from, are very on the ball, very sharp, what they know. And by that, I, I feel they have a responsibility to help share the, the information, share the word on what yeah. we're doing. And we need to know what works what really has an impact. And we know Brother Chris White has had a phenomenal job and there's sure numbers of people he's that he reaches. And it's a, it's a yep. good thing he's extremely wealthy and puts all of his extreme <laughs> so wealth. Much, yeah, so to much, that. Cash, so much yeah. cash. Mm-hmm. Just buys his way into influence. Yeah. Uh, we live an amazing day that if you're willing to devote yourself to God's work, there is nothing that stands in your way for being able to reach anybody literally in the world. Yeah, I, th- I think um, you know that's that's the neat thing about the internet um, uh, is that it really kind of does open things up so people can get their information how they want to, and it's great to be able to get your information from someone who's not representing um, you know a big corporate agenda or a big government agenda. They're right. just someone out there who's uh, interested in the truth and trying to give their their opinion of it, their version of it. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, you, you got hold of this information, and obviously you made your way back to the States. Uh, are you, you still on the on the West Coast, in that side of the country? I am. I, I'm, I've come full circle. I'm back in Hood River, Oregon right now. Wow, cool. okay. Cool. Well, why did, you, you. why did you feel that you needed to write this book that we're going to be talking about, and what was its ultimate purpose? This, this book, part of it was... Uh, Kind of just a fun project for me because um, I'm sure this this never happens to you, but I find it frustrating sometimes to try to explain this to to someone. Um, I end up feeling like you know I go into one subject and I feel like that leads into ten other subjects that they need to to have some background on to understand it, and I I just end up getting frustrated and feeling like I'm not getting the point across the way I want to. I understand. That only happens to me every single day of my life. <laughs> right. Uh, Same here. So for me, it's much easier for me to put it down in writing and to organize my thoughts that way and, and connect them, hopefully in a way that is uh, coherent. And and it's also, I think a book is in some ways um, more non-threatening to people than a face-to-face conversation. Mm-hmm. I think it's especially when you're dealing with controversial things. Um, and what I tried to do in the book is, you know, lay the information out there and then list where I got it from. So if if you say, oh, that doesn't sound right to me, you can look up where I'm getting the information from and, and dig more into that subject. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to go now into the details of the book, but I just want to remind our listeners, in case I forget to tell them, that this book is a it's a... Relatively brief, easy-to-read approach, 148 pages, packed full of information, but it's straightforward to read, it's easy to grasp, um, it becomes very self-evident when you read the information and the 
and the uh, understandings that come out of it. And I think it is a wonderful first introduction uh, of the big picture. And if you wonder why your friends can't understand the stuff that you're interested in or talk about or they just simply don't get up particularly at your church, this book will get people at least 95% of the way there to understanding about the things we talk about just simply by grasping the information in this book. Everybody should go buy 10 copies and then just hand them out. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think it's that it's, it's that important. And we have lots of great authors that, that do individual subject matter books. But this book is really the intro that puts it all together mm-hmm. in a framework. Now, on, on to some specifics about your book. You, you point out early in your book how Satan wanted Jesus to seize power when you know when he was being tempted you know in the wilderness he wanted yeah. Jesus to seize power by political means and thus serve as a shortcut to the cross what what do you think that says about satan's normal modus operandi in terms of the tools he uses to control the affairs of men um, i think that it it shows that political power um, is is in his realm that's kind of his wheelhouse if he can get people uh, striving after political power and trying to control one another and, um, you know, being willing to, to sacrifice, you know, who they are to, to get it, then he wins. And I think our world is a reflection of that. We're, we're ruled by the people who are willing to um, give up the most to get those positions of power and who want them. You know, most of us, uh, I certainly wouldn't want to be president and have, you know, those decisions to make, but, and I think most people are like that too, but, um, the people who really want that, um, that definitely plays into, to Satan's agenda. Hmm. Well, as you point out in your book, people often don't have a, a God's eye view of what's going on in a, a spiritual struggle view. They just look at what's going on here and now, and, and we'll talk about that more in, in here in just a minute, but, um, they don't recognize that these structures can be tools of Satan, and we have evidence in Scripture that he common uses these, commonly uses these institutions as structures to accomplish his, his business. And, and I think you would agree with me, don't correct me if I'm wrong, but we're not saying that Christians should not run for political office, shouldn't be part of the process. We have civic duties, we have a unique government structure here where private individuals are supposed to be part of the process. We don't have a king. So we have duties, and, and if we have a, a good Christian that believes in justice and protection for each other's rights and uh, in, in protecting and defending ourselves from people who, who, who might come after us and deprive us of those rights, that's all well and good. But in the big picture, we also have a movement within the, within the church, or that claims to be part of the church, called dominionism, that really believes that politics is the main structure to forcibly bring about the kingdom of God here on earth. And it sounds to me that's more of the Satan's playbook, is it not? Um, I definitely think so. And and as far as uh, political participation, that, that's an issue that I've, um, you know, been struggling with. There's lots of mm-hmm. people who I respect who, who make arguments against it. Um, but I think to a certain extent, we're all involved whether we like it or not. If all you do is sit around and watch TV... <laughs> you're you're politically involved. You're just politically involved exactly the way the system wants you to be. You know, mm-hmm. only knowing what they want you to know, only doing what they want you to do. Um, so, you know, I, I think unless you're going to go 
live in the woods somewhere and never watch a television, never buy a, you know, a brand name item of anything, you can't really claim to be uh, uninvolved or, or removed from it. So if mm-hmm. you are going to be participate exactly the way you said. And I think uh, the key, though, is that if you see political power as a good in itself, as something to be, um, you know, gone after, even if you think, oh, I could do so much good if I only could tell everyone else what to do, right? Um, that ends up changing you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a little off topic, but some of my favorite uh, books are uh, the Lord of the Rings series by by Tolkien, and I think that was the real theme of his books was the the idea that the uh, power, even if someone who has good intentions grabs it, will turn them into something evil. Right, right. Well, and I think too, uh, you know, the only thing government can do is be coercive. That's the only unique thing government can do. It has the authority to coerce people to make them do things. And if you use that to serve an agenda, even if you think it's well-meaning, if you see it as more than just making sure everybody uh, keeps to themselves and lets everybody be themselves, if you have another agenda beyond that, I think that's when you cross the line. Right. Because Christ's work was never coercive uh, of that of that nature. Um, <clears throat> uh, moving on, you, you said that your book, uh, early in your book, is a call to resist the satanic order that Satan's minions call the New World Order. In what ways do you think we, we should resist this order? I, th- I think any true resistance has to occur on a, on a spiritual level. And I think, um, again, I, I, don't, I really don't think there's any neutrality. I think if you are, Amen. are, are not paying attention, you're just getting swept along um, with the system, with the you know what the Bible calls the world, um, and it, so if you're not fighting against that some way, you know you, you're you're going places you don't want to go. And as far as specific ways, um, it's certainly I think recognizing the the spiritual aspects of, of things are important, and then I think there there are. Uh, you know, practical, political things, um, focusing on, you know, anything from nonviolent resistance or noncompliance to uh, just working to make sure that people have civil liberties and, and people, um, you know, that the, the government doesn't have the right to control or, quote-unquote, protect people, that people are are free to kind of pursue um, what they think is best for them as long as they're not hurting other people doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, to me it just comes to mind there's two areas where, like you mentioned, you know, Jesus said you're for me or against me, and I, I thought about that when you mentioned about there's no neutrality. There, there's two ways, I think, even just looking beyond techniques, there, there's two broad categories where I think we can support Satan and the New World Order's work, even if we just want to think, hey, we're just holy people, we're just spreading the gospel, we don't want to care about any of that, don't even want to think about it. One way is that when we actively support the New World Order system through our ignorance or apathy, uh, whether it's the Babylon system, the Babylon financial system, uh, we need to take a long, hard look as Christians, I believe, in seeing do we help make this whole system that exploits other people financially and by our participation in it, do we help empower it? 
Uh, in other words, will we have some responsibility when it when judgment time comes to say how, how we participated and we we enjoyed part of the fruit of the exploitation right. of other people? Do we have some accountability ourselves uh, if we were a part of that? You know, that that's one part is to actively be involved, uh, in it, and the other is to turn the other way when we see that these satanic New World Order systems harm and exploit other people. Uh, do we just want to go run up in our in our monasteries and we'll preach to the faithful and pretend that stuff's not there because it makes us uncomfortable? Uh, or will we actually go and try to defend and protect those that are being injured and hurt? You know, I don't think people would have a problem if, if you looked in, in, in World War II Germany and said, you know, there's some Christians there that hid Jews. Okay, they resisted right. government by hiding Jews. Would it have been more appropriate if they would have said, look, government sovereign, Bible says they're sovereign, Jews, get out of my basement, go, I know we're taking you to the chambers, go do it. Well, or that, would it... That's or, what a lot of the, the churches did, unfortunately, and that's what, you know, that's why they call it Romans 13.1, Hitler's favorite Bible verse, because he, you know, he made sure that all, that the the churches that would listen to him were were preaching that and were preaching that, that you know the government was was good and was mm-hmm. whatever the you know it was their responsibility to obey it mm-hmm. man y'all are speaking my language now really yeah are we finally getting your approval tom bionic <laughs> uh, that you hear that that was the that was yeah. the 20 pound tom bionic stamp of approval right there that, that's all, all right. i've ever sought over the years is your approval <laughs> and we have it live uh you might want to aim higher okay <laughs> We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom resisting NWO Bionic. The the Christian way. Yeah. The way the Christian Christian way. Yeah. By loving them. Mm-hmm. Soldier of love. Soldier of love. Oh. Yeah, this is a Christian radio station. <laughs> well, what do you think about uh, what our brother shared with us here? Man, i got to say, I you know... Uh, we've talked off air about some projects, and I, I'll tell you what, man, this thing has just fired me up. I, fi- yeah. I feel like somebody's finally, like, really gets it and has put it down into a mm-hmm. book, you know? And how everything feeds off each other. You know, we've met a new friend, and Brother mm-hmm. Andrew and our listeners have, mm-hmm. that was inspired by Chris White. Yeah, I know. The circles, mm-hmm. the wheels spinning. Someone whose work is not fully heralded the way it should far, be. Far, far, far underappreciated. When, when th- history books are written one day... Chris White's works. So There's gonna be a chapter there. I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I hopefully I'm gonna stand next to that guy and in, in the line when they're handing out, you know, yeah, thrones and gold yeah. and stuff. Because I'm yeah. hoping a little extra splashes on me. Well, there's gonna be a lot of flames where I am for that wood hay and stubble going through. <laughs> Very <laughs> combustible works. Uh, but oh, it's. Yeah, I hope you're going to enjoy the next segments we're going to have. We're going to get further into some pretty heavy duty thinking. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of material like in this very brief book, but somebody else will get you to think is Murph who can tell you how to contact us at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. 
Okay, we got to go. Okay, let's get out. Okay, come back for the next segment tomorrow with uh, our dear brother Andrew. And until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake. Welcome back to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Ramalama Tom Bionic. And I thought you were going to be fighting the New World Order. Oh, I'm still fighting him. I'm just fighting him with a different name. Yeah. You know who else Under is? an assumed name. Uh, Brother Andrew Hoffman, who is the author of the book The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about his book and the topic of a rediscovered biblical worldview of the world's power structures and their satanic techniques and agenda. Yeah, man. I'm the king of the long titles. Well, that's okay. Even it's longer than the title of his book. You know, I actually have to edit those when I PR, put PR log. You don't edit my work, do you? Only the titles. Oh my goodness! They don't fit. They don't. They don't fit up in the. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's our own dirty, Sorry. dirty laundry here. Uh, Brother Hoffman has just started with our segment, our last show, uh, beginning to talk about his premise of his book, and talking about how Christians today are going to have a brand new worldview uh, that's really more Bible centric, based upon the spiritual powers that are battle, and yeah. they use human structures to do it. Mm-hmm. Jesus understood it. He was well aware of it. Um, yep. And we talked about politics a little bit, how the the political positions, kingdoms of this world, Satan has at his beck and call mm-hmm. to to do his agenda. I liked I liked what he said about all that stuff. Actually, usually yeah. usually there's a little bit of disagreement between me and some of the other people, but I really I feel like he kind of had it. Yeah, he had he had a big handle on it. Yep. Uh, and that is not a call to say that we are never to have any kind of involvement as citizens in. Uh, Actions in our government that can help protect people, help protect their rights, protect their ability to worship or do whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got to understand that, uh, particularly when you get powerful in powerful situations, there are mm-hmm. going to be seductions from the man who runs these or the being who runs these yeah. countries of the world. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's cut away for our next dose of Andrew Hoffman uh, talking about a rediscovered biblical worldview of the world's power structures and their satanic techniques and agenda. And then we'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. But, but that seems to me is to be two broad categories, you know, and then we can get specifics of what are the techniques you use. You know, we mentioned that you got to be wary of the political realm because yeah. of the coercive power. Do you have an agenda behind it? But but really, are you defending the helpless mm-hmm. as, as Christ himself would do if he was here and protecting them? And also, too, are you, are you feeding the system? Are you, even if it's just very passively... Checking out of making the system even worse, making it grow that much faster and more quickly and involve every part of our life. And and part of that's education. So it, it, it sounds like to me we don't get a pass. It, ignoring the situation is not an acceptable choice. And I think that's what most Christians, including very devout Bible-believing Christians, that's the path they want to take. Yeah, and I, I really think that there's no, especially in the age we live in, there's no excuse for ignorance. You know, there's... I mean, there's way too many good sources of information out there. There's, um, you know, we have more Bible commentaries and things that you can get for free on the Internet than, you know, and people hundreds of years ago didn't even have it in their language. So, you know, we've got no excuse for ignorance on what the Bible actually says, and we've got, um, I don't think we've got an excuse for 
just saying, oh, we didn't really know the system was, was that bad, or, or America does it, it must be good. Right. So I, I don't think... Um, You're just part of that hate America crowd. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I've heard on on internet news that you were just part of that hate America because you criticized America for doing something. You know, I've to, to be honest, the more I've dug into the the conspiracy stuff, I'm actually much more um, excited about America and the things that the ideas that America should stand for than I was before. Um, back before. You know, I knew about any of this. I was mm-hmm. really apathetic politically. You know, I, I kind of thought, uh, Democrats, Republicans, I'm not too crazy about either one of them. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I was on the sidelines. And now, you know, I um, I care much more about it, America mm-hmm. than, it, than I did before. But, um, but you still you don't know, have to be crazy about those two political parties, do you? Mm-hmm. That's but, not a prerequisite to do it. You know, listening to the both of y'all, it's so interesting. It's so interesting to hear that uh, finding all this stuff out has really given incredible meaning to, uh, well, I guess both of y'all's lives. It gives you like this whole other level well, of perspective. It certainly defined yeah. it for the last few years. It's and also it's alienated me. From a lot of people, but it's also made new friends mm-hmm. for me too. So it has realigned the the circle of where I'm with, and it's a circle that seems to be relatively new. It's not like, well, I was part of a right wing, now I'm a left winger. No, it's like there's something else that's yeah. there, and particularly within the Christian community, mm-hmm. and it's mostly dominated by younger people, but not exclusively part of that. If you hear uh, Robert Hyde, uh, who comes on our show regularly. Uh, he's a gentleman who's understood these things for many, many years, and he he acts and has the enthusiasm of a young person. But you know, I he's sure a like guy around sixty years old. Yeah, I uh, sure like Robert man. saying that. Um, I want to ask you a big picture question here. Okay. Okay. You talked about, and you were very humble in your book about your journey. That you've had a journey, and you've changed your views. And I guess some of it was walking the hills of Korea. Um, I hope you weren't walking through the DMZ because you had to step very carefully. No, no, uh, I was uh, pretty much as far away from that as I could get. So. Okay, good idea. Good, good choice. Um, but but you said that there were changes, and I'm going to use this term, your spiritual cosmology, or the big picture of how the the universe is activities are going on, how it's organized and the activities, and even spiritually. How did the changes in your spiritual cosmology change? Uh, how you saw the world and how it works, what's going on today, and what was critical to causing that change in view. And, you know, what I'm what I'm getting at is that you seem like you see a realignment spiritually of really what the nature of what the battle is, how things are structured, and that what's going on on Earth is just simply a mere reflection, maybe maybe a a lesser dimension a shadow. Right. It's a shadow basically of the real battle that's happening spiritually. Is that a a proper explanation? Yeah, I think um, part of it, just issues in my my personal life, I realized um, what an amazing capacity I had um, to be deceived both by other people or, you know, the system in general and by myself, you know. I had the ability to lie to myself. And um, working through the process of recognizing that and the humility that that brought kind of connected in with um, my view of the, the 
both the political world, the material world, and the, the spiritual world. And what I realized is that I had kind of compartmentalized my um, view of the Bible and of Christianity in its own little section. And then I can't, had previously kind of felt like, well, you know, there's the Bible, but, you know, here we are in the 21st century. We have all this new knowledge and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, surely we have to kind of adapt it to fit today. And the the more I dig into this stuff, you know, I think you can honestly learn more about the condition of our country by reading some of the Old Testament prophets and things mm-hmm. uh, than by You, you should tell Elliot Nash that. He'd be interested in that idea. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a new revelation for Elliot Nash, <laughs> that the Old Testament prophets would... If you don't yeah, know what I'm referring to, I like uh, yeah, Futurians, if you don't know what I'm referring to, go back and listen to our show on the sycamore tree. And yeah. and I know he's had an influence on your thinking as well, too, correct? Yeah, I, I've, um, first time I, I saw him was in the movie Truth Rising, which is a good documentary film. And um, I liked what he, what he had to say. Someone asked him if he was protesting the war, and he said, no, I'm not protesting the war, I'm protesting Christians who support the war. And he had, wow. and he had, you know, good reasons to back that up. Um, and certainly, you know, he's he's a, a very humble person, but he's not afraid to say exactly what he what he believes. So. Yeah, I just wish he'd be more focused and committed. Yeah, <laughs> well, she wouldn't be so distracted. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, you know, you you talked about how how these lies can be compartmentalized just in your own personal life. You can, have, I guess, have segments of your worldview that you can keep firewalled from each other. Is that how you would describe it? Yeah, I think I I had a, a firewall is a good way of, of looking at it. Um, you know, my everyday decision-making process had been kind of firewalled off what I knew was true biblically. And I realized that I needed to, you know, break down that wall and let, um, you know, truth from the Bible impact my whole life, not just the, you know, uh, part on it, of it on Sunday morning or things like that. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and at the same time, you talk in, the, in your book about the uh, spiritual forces that are battling in the heavens. Right. That that Satan is is very active. His his uh, underlings below him are very active. They have battle plans. They have uh, agendas. They have human henchmen who are doing their business. And some of these people, you know, I'm not going to name names, but they, they are names we know are likely some of these henchmen. Uh, they, they, this is not something just a theoretical kind of thing, but they actively work out the plans that are conceived in the heavenlies. And our, our lives need to reflect the fact that there is a spiritual warfare. And as I said before, the, the earthly activities are a shadow of the spiritual warfare that's going on. But we have a role to play. Even if it's a pawn, we still have a role to play in the battle, correct? Exactly, yeah. It's, um, and I think, you know, I think whenever someone, you, you can read in the Bible, when they're confronted with true reality, you know, if they, um, you know, come face to face, so to speak, with, with God or, or with Jesus, the result is, uh, you know, repentance and, and deep worship and a realization of our own frailty and I think to the extent that we're not there to the extent that we are um, full of pride and full of figure, thinking we can figure things out for ourselves 
we don't get it. You know, we we only see a tiny um, slice of reality. And I think uh, also as far as um, trying to view the world in the context of spiritual spiritual reality, also, it doesn't mean that you look at everything and say, okay, let's figure out what the spiritual cause is. I think it's just important to realize that there's a spiritual aspect to things too. And we might not always understand it, but it's, I think it's healthy to know that it's there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you, you also said that the information that you lay out in the subsequent chapters of your book would make people angry. And I'm assuming a lot of those are Christian people. Uh, why do you think the kind of information, when you start talking about specific segments about uh, some of the history of our nation or war or scientific society or media, that that Christians of all people would be upset about this? Why, why would they be upset? Well, I think people, um, I think whenever you challenge people on things that they um, believe or have, especially that they have assumed to be true, um, that it it shakes them up, and the, the first reaction is uh, to get angry or to deny it and things like that. And um, I think that's natural. I think one of the nice things about uh, a book, though, is that people can kind of work through that on their own without feeling like they have to win an argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they can throw it across the room, and it may survive, unlike a CD yeah. disc. <laughs> yeah. They can throw it and get angry and then calm right. down, and something can stir their mind and think, well, maybe I ought to try to pick up where I left off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but yeah, it is. It's painful to have your worldview changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. It, it, this show has been almost like uh, therapy for me or confession, you know, because I've said many times on this show I voted for uh, Bush twice. I, you know, I've been I pretty too. consistent. <laughs> I supported the Iraq War. I believed in the reasons that they told me why it was, and the people who challenged it, I thought were were questionable or bad people. Mm-hmm. And, and, <laughs> wow. And then over time... This is confession. Yeah, and then over time, and patience from some other Christian brothers, some close to me, like Robert Hyde, uh, who also was going through a change in his own mind, uh, a change at the time, and some other people who influenced me, um, the last few years have been an about-face in a completely different way that, that I construe and understand how the world works. And as you've mentioned, sometimes God can even use secular sources as a catalyst for you to then go back and look at the Bible and recognize that uh, you've had a very stilted view of how the Bible can explain these things. And you mentioned people like Alex Jones. Uh, You know, I don't know everything about Alex Jones. He was kind enough to come on our show recently. Um, Don't know everything about him other than... um, Ironically, for a non-Christian show, he seems to be doing the kind of things that I heard Jesus do about protecting the innocent, uh, exposing the dark forces of the powers and the wealthy and powerful, and many of the things that were in the Bible, even though it's not a, necessarily a Christian activity. And it caused me to begin questioning uh, my positions. Who do they reflect? What, what yeah. side of the fence do they reflect? I can call them Christian all day long, but are they really? Are they really reflective of it? And and when that change started, that was painful for me. And it was yeah. painful because I felt like some other Christian friends were sort of talking down to me like they were more enlightened than I was. And I thought, well, you know, I'm well read. I grew up in church. I knew all these kind of things. How, you know, how dare you act like you know more? <laughs> but that was the best thing they ever did for me. 
So I hope our listeners, you know, you may get this book. A lot of our listeners are going to understand much of what we talk about here. But the people they give this book to will not. And they're going to have to be prepared that they're probably going to get a lot of heat from people, uh, particularly family and friends, for the reasons that you describe in in your book. Uh, You you say, uh, talking about the media, okay, and uh, we've had our say on Future Quake about the media. You said all media, not just advertising, is intentional. Uh, Could you please explain that? You know, I've told people, I think of similarly, that really everything is advertising. Uh, and it's all it's all been paid for. It's all selling something. You know, sometimes they sell soap. Sometimes they sell an idea. They want you to either buy this product or they want you to buy a war or they want you to buy, you know, a certain lifestyle that supports these kind of people or whatever. So it's really nonstop advertising. But c- c- can you can you explain that further and elaborate? Sure. Um, and I, I think that's accurate. And I I've been going back and reading some of the old. Uh, books by PR specialists like Edward Bernays and people and um, scary books, gotta, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're interesting. And uh, like for example, he uh, had a contract with a piano company, so he wanted to sell pianos. Well, he didn't just sell pianos; he tried to he got architects to design a music room in their floor plans, and he got. Um, you know, media to talk about like, oh, they have a beautiful music room in their house, and so he got people to to start um, getting used to the idea that every home should have a music room, and what goes in a music room? Oh, of course, you need a piano for that. So um, the it's a it's a shaping of um, whole lifestyles, not just you know buy this orange juice or whatever, and so. Uh, the you know kind of consumer culture is sold not just through advertising but also through news programming and through um, you know celebrity worship shows and um, all sorts of things where it's uh, it, it's trying to sell you on a certain way of living and I think um, you know humans thousands of years ago and, and up till very recently lived in small groups. So when you saw a face you recognized, you actually knew the person. You mm-hmm. know, and if you weren't enemies, it meant you could trust them and things. And, and um, that's how celebrities are exploited to, uh, to sell things to people because it's, it's kind of like a counterfeit friend for people. Yeah. They, they recognize the face and they... You know, the person reading their evening news or the person playing golf on television or wh- whatever it is. Um, and they feel like they they know the person and can trust the person. They wouldn't uh, tell you that. They would say, oh, no, of course, I know they're trying to tell me, sell me something or I know politicians lie. But the, um, the media kind of bypasses that and, and gets it into our brains whether we're aware of that or not. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. They use these kind of techniques. And, you know, I was just sitting there thinking about, uh, you know, the war. We've mentioned that different times about the idea of unjust war. That's why you have people like Elliot Nash and other people we know uh, who don't have hardly any money at all to their name are the people on the side, uh, you know, against unjust war. Because who ever heard of a peace profiteer? Right. Right. Okay. (laughs) 
Who, who's going to bank? Never heard it put like that. That's brilliant. Who's going to Who's going to bankroll Elliot Nash or the rest of us who say it's better to to unless somebody attacks us and stomps on our shore, it's better to leave them alone. There is no financial advantage to anybody to, to want to underwrite us to give that message. There's no financial advantage to saying, uh, you know, be content with what you have, and you know, if you have mm-hmm. enough food right. to eat, be thankful for that. And mm-hmm. uh, nobody can make yeah. a buck on that, can they? No. Uh, you know, about be be satisfied, content, live an austere life, uh, in, enjoy the free things in life. There's not even a way for the government to tax it. Right. So <laughs> there's a lot of people that are, that would be very upset with that, and I think that's the paradigm people need to think about when they when they see this information, is who is underwriting this information, and what agenda they have. Usually, you know, we we talk about all these gods. You know, we get deep into this kind of dark stuff on the future quake and different gods doing stuff, but but ultimately, when it comes to gods in our nation, there's one that trumps them all, and that's Mammon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Mammon is the one that trumps all these other dark uh, Wiccan forces and things like that. A, a dollar profit motive explains the majority of what we deal with. The second one would be Bacchus, uh, which is the yeah. god of you know leisure, of uh, frivolity and things like that. Because people, first of all, like to be wealthy, and then secondly, they like to be lazy, and that will always trump any of these other diabolical activities they have. And that's a a, a base state of truly, gravity. truly. Although I would make a I would make the argument that. Uh, in our country, you can make a pretty easy argument that uh, it's not just mammon, mammon they serve. Uh, if you go to Wall Street, you'll notice that it's not they don't have a gigantic dollar, golden dollar bill. They have a gigantic golden bull, golden calf mm-hmm. out there. So hmm. um, I think there's something behind right. just worshiping mammon. Well, they're all false gods. Yep. And they're all not God. So, you know, there's God and then there's all the other gods. So, mm-hmm. there you you know, go. so that's that's what we have to deal with. So, uh, you you mentioned in your book that there are about uh, what five or six companies that own almost every media outlet that we have, and whatever suits their financial interest, they can deliver through those media outlets. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's not just uh, those those corporations don't own just media. You know, they own weapons manufacturers or they own movie studios, and so it's. Um, and all of those agendas are are very uh, similar, so they mm-hmm. it's easy for them to work together. Um, they all have, you know, a similar agenda. They want people um, spending money and working hard and spending more money, right? Um, or relying on the government and, and begging the government to to take care of them or to. Or things like that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, even those out there who are news junkies in our audience who like to listen to Fox News or whatever, and they watch this endless parade of ex- quote experts that come on from this or that institute or whatever, and there's this constant rotation of them in. Stop and think for a minute and think, look, these well-dressed people are being paid by somebody. Somebody right. is paying them to come on and deliver this message. Find out who who pays these people. You'll be shocked, even people on the right. Find out who are the people who are delivering the message, why they're doing it. You know, we talked about some of the, uh, even some of the Tea Party groups are being funded by a group that sounds very innocuous, but it's big oil that's right. supporting it. Uh, you should ask questions, why? Why do they want this message to get out? And, and the, the painful thing is that even when you hear Christian groups talk, 
There are tons of Christian foundations and groups, and it is not unfair to go find out who is bankrolling them. They, they, they come up, particularly in Washington, all this, this council, that council, this family this, family that. Uh, find out who, who is bankrolling them. You know, we found guys like uh, Eric Prince, uh, main bankroller of groups like Focus on the Family. You oh, know, wow. in the Unification Church, uh, financing Liberty, Liberty University, <laughs> you know, Campus Crusade. Those are fair questions to ask because yeah. there were some decisions that were made to accept that money, and those people don't give money without strings attached. They want something to accomplish an agenda in exchange for that funding. Well, if you go to the if you go to the Future Quake Radio web uh, web blog, there, there's actually a letter that uh, um, was written to uh, some young moon's second in command from the pen of the uh, left behind guy. Tim LaHaye. Tim LaHaye. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they talk he's talking very, very yeah. charming terms and Now that's very, very uncomfortable to talk about other Christian people. Well and that's but, not, yeah, it's right there. But it's not to say that they've not done other great Christian work and other things sure. accomplished. But these are questions we need to be people of honesty if anything. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. as Christians we should set the tone of honesty. Uh and so that it behooves us to to find out answers to these questions. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, still fighting the New World Order, but now with a different name, Bionic Maximus. Okay. Maximum yeah. Bionic. Yeah, you're getting low on the permutations there. Well, I just, I'm, I'm doing this Greek research, and I always come back to that. Yeah, it's hard, too, because we record these segments in the wee hours of the night, and we've um, had some pretty heavy-duty thinking talking with guys like Brother Andrew. I'm slow, so I mean, just any 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 deep thinking. We, which would but make I, us prime for uh, media exploitation if we chose. Indeed, and I'm glad you brought that up because I find I find that his sort of perspective on media exploitation uh was very well thought out and mm-hmm. very intelligent. Mm-hmm. Uh and I find that like I just said earlier, that's the hardest thing for me to explain to other people that they're mm-hmm. being used and they don't even know it when they sit down and watch TV. When they turn it on, somebody got paid something to sell you something, mm-hmm. and they call it news. Mm-hmm. They have commercials, and at least commercials, you're thinking, oh, they're selling something. But that doesn't change when the, quote, news comes on. Mm-hmm. What what they choose to broadcast about, what they choose not to, the word, the qualitative words they use, mm-hmm. you know, whether they say someone committed this or they're alleged to have committed it, mm-hmm. whether they said they've been reported to do this or whether they did it, yeah. um, you know. The, the whole emphasis of what they do, all of these, quote, experts that come on are all carefully chosen mm-hmm. to support certain information. Well, and and just the fact that they go and they talk about uh, wanting to report the news uh, from the – they'll always talk about, you know, in hindsight in their autobiographies, wanting to pr- produce the news from the correct perspective. And never mm-hmm. once does the word truth right. ever enter right. anything that they say. That's right, right, which means agenda is yeah. what they mean. Yeah. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, that can happen even in Christian circles. There are Christian organizations that are funded by people who you need to find out who they are. They may be very popular. They may have uh, good things said about them, but you need to find out the agendas of those people. But someone with no agenda is Merv, who can tell you how to contact us at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. 
Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we must go. All right, let's get out of here. Come back for segment three with our friend Andrew Hoffman. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome back to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And Tom, the New World Order Destroyer, Bionic. Wow, single-handedly. Yeah. Can the rest of us take a day off then? I'm like Conan the Destroyer. Only a lot more muscles. Bigger muscles, smaller mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. A little bit more pointy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you on our show. Uh, and uh, we've been talking this week with a with a great guest, uh, Mr. Andrew Hoffman. Uh, who is the author of a book, The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective. Mm-hmm. And our, our general theme is a rediscovered biblical worldview of the world's power structures and their satanic techniques and agenda. Mm-hmm. And uh, this gentleman, uh, relatively young, but uh, wise beyond his years, and probably getting out of our culture and walking through the hills of Korea gave him some quiet time. To put all this stuff together. Well, it's interesting that we, in the last segment, we talked a little bit about sort of the idea of being sold stump something, and it took him yeah. being really unplugged from that culture to really right. stand apart from it and see what it was all about. Right. But yet his access to the Internet provided him uh, access to some very surprising information that the media didn't control. He got it without yeah. their control, and mm-hmm. that's the difference. Yeah. So here's uh, our friend Andrew Hoffman, and uh, we're going to be coming right back afterwards to discuss it further here at Future Quake. Furthermore, something of profound point I think you made in uh, in your book uh, about the media is you said that most of what we believe about the world is communicated to us through intermediate means rather than direct experience. Can you explain that and why that fact is important? Um, yeah, I mean, and it's I think if if people think about it, I think they'll agree that. Um, much of our quote-unquote knowledge is only possible because of technology. Um, for instance, you know, I wouldn't be able to, to talk to you guys right now if it weren't for technology. And um, it's the only way to make people uh, hate someone on the other side of the world that otherwise they would never come in contact with. Mm-hmm. So, um, you you mean a farmer in America wouldn't naturally hate a farmer in Iran unless somebody told him to hate him? I I really don't I really don't think so. You know I think, um, but it's amazing how the the way the mainstream media works is you, you can hate someone and know absolutely nothing about them. You know people will hate countries and and say we should bomb them and then they can't find them on the map. Mm-hmm. So it's. Uh, you know, it's very base level mm-hmm. propaganda. And so it's almost like 1984. So yeah. So they yeah. can so they can be willing to bomb and incinerate a stranger based upon the word of another stranger. Right. right. But he wore a nice suit. But uh, and he looks like us. Someone who doesn't seem like a stranger because they see them on television, and I think that's the uh, that's kind of the trick. You know, mm-hmm. Walter Cronkite telling you. 
that's the way it is or, or whatever. Um, and and heaven know. forbid he would have any globalist agenda. <laughs> Other than being the voice of the owl of Bohemian Grove, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, accepting the World Federalist uh, Award, Society mm-hmm. Award, and talking about if it takes sitting down next to Satan to make yeah. uh, a global government happen, and he's ready, yeah, and come he's join ready. him at at the seat of We're, Satan, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah that was an I- interesting uh, comparison there, yeah. but I, I want people to just chew on that. Is that how how many decisions we make? based upon indirect experience rather than direct experience. A couple of things that went to mind, talking about you know hating people and, and attacking them. The day of 911 when that happens, I remember the footage run where they were talking about celebrations in the Middle East and the Palestinians uh, of our right. attack, and it showed this lady making this little funny sound, this <laughs> in her voice, some kind of celebration. And, of course... They take an image of someone who looks very different than us, doing something different than our culture, which helps us to hate them. And, right. and then we find out later, if, if my information is correct that I've received, is that that was footage from sometime a year or more prior to that. Yeah, exactly. Now, so. that couldn't have been aired except for something intentional. Mm-hmm. An intentional deception was brought upon the public, and, and I suspect that happens frequently. Uh, Absolutely, that, yeah. That, that this happens to try to uh, to get us fired up over people. You mean like the Gulf of Tonkin or the USS Maine or the USS Liberty? Or, or intentional bodies in the water. Yeah, yeah. right. Or or even uh, Dick Cheney talking about dressing up our boats to look like Iranian boats yeah. and attack us, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. It makes good PR on the camera. Well, and, I, I don't know. Did, did you guys see the article uh, that came out recently about a book uh, about the... Um, Georgian-Russian conflicts on 888, and uh, they're claiming that they have sources that say that Cheney was pushing for direct war with Russia. I, I've heard well, that before, actually. Well, actually, uh, Sarah Palin said in an interview on Western, she said that she would wholeheartedly recommend going to a war with Russia if they had <laughs> confronted our ships going in there. And then we find out from Israeli news sources, this is from the Israeli news, that they were bragging that that was an Israeli operation that originally invaded Russia from Georgia. Right. Uh, but you have to go to other foreign news sources to find this information. It wasn't it wasn't uh, an Egyptian source or somebody in the Arab world claiming Israel did it. It was Israel bragging about it themselves. But it never makes its way into our press here. Yeah. So. Well, and it it sort of does, but it makes it in in the bottom of the paragraph or the bottom of the article as a, as a. A footnote, or people kind of say, "Oh, well, they're not really sure who started it," and you know, it turns out that it was Georgia that started it. But of course, we've got John McCain on TV saying we're all Georgians now, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it it, it would have got him some votes in uh, in Georgia. I saw that they, while well, I was over in Korea, um, because of course, the U.S. presidential election has to be the top news story in the entire world now, which seems strange mm-hmm. to me. Uh, but they did a poll of the every country in the world, and the only country that uh, John McCain won was Georgia. But <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Very interesting. Georgia was on his mind, I guess. Right. Oh, Georgia. very good. <laughs> uh, you know, to, to counter that, to show the other side of, of your conjecture here, um, Robert Hyde, a favorite of our show, had mentioned that 
one reliable source of information that we as Christians consistently underutilize reliable information are our own missionaries, which are embedded out in the field. They're virtual embedded reporters. Go talk with our embedded reporters, yeah. That have no agenda other than the Lord's work and will. Uh, they have nothing to sell. They have no other kind of agenda, government to bring or whatever. They're embedded out there, and they're actually talking to the locals. And I can tell you, my experience talking to people in these countries that are considered hotbeds that we're supposed to be with animosity with, you get a radically different picture from fellow missionaries who, if I don't know them personally, some of them I know personally, other ones I know the people who know them personally, and they're a good report, and they tell me a completely different story than what the TV does. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I think that's the way it usually is. I think that anyone who's actually been there and and seen it will give a different story than um, you know what we get on television. And I think even if news stations truly wanted to tell the truth, and that's all they wanted to do, I don't think you can fit reality into a thirty-second clip or a 10 second you know film footage clip mm-hmm. and when you put in the fact that there might be an agenda there um, to show certain countries in negative lights or certain individuals in a, a positive light it, it just makes it that much more confusing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well i hope 90 minutes is a better segment to be able to show the truth than 90 seconds so yeah and that, that's one of my favorite things about um you know your show and other podcasts and things is that you actually get to hear more than than just sound bites. So. Actually, in depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for Tom Bionics. Well, most time people hear more than they want to hear from us. <laughs> Unfortunately, way, it's more toleration. Why would can't be, you be more like Terry Gross? Would be the term. <laughs> uh, what what are? I, I think we're sort of led into this discussion. But what are some other examples of how our view of the world and the issues change when we look for spiritual causes behind their nature and activities? rather than just scientific explanations. You, you, you talk a lot about science, and this is an area of which I could get a little defensive because my career is in science. I'm a scientist by a career. Uh, I had a lot of education in the area. I think highly of the scientific method. I think it's not followed very much anymore in the pop science area that dominates our society. It's been politicized. Yeah. But uh, what, what are some examples of when we, we look at just when we look at spiritual causes uh, you, you have any examples? I think you mentioned some in your book. Um, yeah, I think, well, I think the examples I brought up in the book, um, there's the example of Jesus rebuking the storm, and the word they use for rebuke is the same word that was used for, that uh, was used to describe him casting out demons. So there's the idea that the storm itself wasn't just a natural occurrence, like many, like most storms, but it was actually had some supernatural um, forces behind it, and I think, uh, and I think again, that doesn't mean that every storm is demonic or anything like that, um, or that he could control molecules that have a storm. But but the fact is, like as you mentioned, he was going over to an area that was known to be a demonic demoniac ground. The people on the other side of the Sea of Galilee were afraid of them. They were afraid to go over there, and they already had some kind of knowledge before that bad stuff happened spiritually heading across that water on the other side, correct? So what you're saying yep. is really consistent with that knowledge. Right, and I, and I think it, it is, 
a very unique perspective that we have in the in the Western world right now that everything is material, um, and not just Christian culture, but all cultures have always you know believed in a physical and a, a spiritual reality, and I think it it um, is kind of myopic of us to assume that oh we've figured it out now everything can be explained by chemical reactions that's the whole story that's it and I think where well, well uh, scientists figured out global warming right I mean that's, <laughs> they got that nailed perfectly you, you know you're not a you're not a de- denier are you I mean it, obviously. Uh, I don't deny anything that my government tells me because then I would be a terrorist if I denied what the government said, even when they change their mind. That's Uh, good because, you know, the next, if uh, Dennis Blair says they can assassinate American citizens if they deem them a threat, maybe, you know, not believing in global warming, that that could be a threat. Well, and it just came out a couple of days ago, I mean, maybe even less than that today, that uh, Janet Napolitano thinks that domestic terrorism is just as big of a threat as international terrorism now. Oh, absolutely. You know, so. if you and uh, it's some people don't believe they should have to pay income taxes. That's that's shocking. You know. It's, uh, mm-hmm. Right. Well, um, can't, have, can't have those people walking around. We're taking the Bible seriously. Those are the really scary ones. Oh mm-hmm. man. I'm, Believing yep. that Jesus is coming back someday. Is, uh, <laughs> hey, Mrs. Future yeah. and I left the church because of an evangelical church that thought that was insane to believe that Jesus would actually come back or that the yeah. Bible would have anything to say about it. Uh, wow. You know, um, the, I guess the point I get from this, and, and you mentioned science in several different ways, is that for the Christian out there who's trying to understand what's going on, you are not going to understand what's really going on if you do not factor in the spiritual battle component of explaining what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be like not knowing that uh, Hitler gave any speeches or, or uh, you know, uh, <laughs> that, that, that uh, we didn't have Winston <laughs> Churchill give any speeches or they didn't have, you know, war planning room and that randomly Englishmen and Germans found up on some battlefield and decided they didn't like each other and just started ha- hitting each other. Well, that's... Okay. Uh, uh, G.K. Chesterton has a great quote about that where he says that um, the atheistic style of writing or, or speaking always acts like there's no causes. So they, he said the athe- atheistic style says the outbreak of war as if war just breaks out as you know, without right. people pulling triggers and making decisions. So, um, and I, I just finished reading a book, a guy um, who ended up being the whistleblower in the oil for food scandal in the U.N., Mm-hmm. And he uh, he talked about translating things into UN speak, and how you basically have to get rid of any uh, active subjects. So you, you can't say this person will do this. You just have to say this should be done. Blah 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 mm-hmm. blah. And make it all very vague and bureaucratic. It's passive. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's passive. Uh, if you read the Bible that way, there's no explanation on why Israel won all the battles they did. Right. Although if you watch the History Channel, they will try so hard to do that. I've seen several military leaders try to say, oh, well, they just happen to be lucky. The molecules all happen to fall on one side in the wall yeah. in Jericho, and they just happen to fall. There's These another explanation. walked around the building And it created times. the perfect earthquake, and they all fell. But, you know, Christians look at that about the world right now. We look at everything deterministically and don't right. see the spiritual battle that's going on. Or we err. 
And sometimes we think the things of Satan are actually the things of God that are going on or vice versa. Uh, I'll give one case in point, not to pick on Mr. Nash, Elliot Nash. But, uh, uh, you know, someone would see uh, this attack from 911, for example, as the direct act of Satan. Mm-hmm. And it may be in some ways in the big picture you could tie some things back to there. Elliot Ness proposes that based upon the biblical model, it may be an act of God in a t- form of judgment or a warning to America. That radically changes how you view and understand all the other activities that go on afterwards. And I think it is, um, I think it's always healthy for us to look at things through the lens of um, okay, God, are you trying to teach me something through this? And I think that's what Elliot does so well in his uh, presentation on 9-11 um, is, you know, hey, here, here's a, a pattern of, of prophecy and things, and this is how it could apply to us. And, um, you know, does America need to repent? Do I need to repent? Absolutely, you know. So I think it, it's def- definitely a valid but but heaven forbid he would use an enemy to cause us to repent. People can't swallow that. We're a proud people in America. Sounds like we're all like Job's friends. You guys are describing Job's friends. You know, Job didn't understand why this stuff happened, and all of Job's mm-hmm. friends came forward and said, "Man, God isn't just going to do this. God doesn't do this to mm-hmm. people. He he's." Yeah, And it was because they didn't understand what was going on spiritually either. They didn't know the little agreement that God and Satan had. Well, it gets even, it gets even more intense. If you look at uh, Job 4, uh, right. verse 12 there, uh, the guy's in a deep sleep and a spirit comes to him and tells him all these things. Um, mm-hmm. The Tiamite guy, Eliphaz, mm-hmm. I get him confused. Right. The Tiamite. Uh, it says there specifically a spirit actually materialized before him while he was in the deepest of sleep and told him all of this stuff. And confirmed about how uh, uh, how Job must have secretly not sinned, mm-hmm. or must have secretly sinned. Yeah. Well, that, one of his friends, you know, is the shortest man in the Bible. Uh, he's like 42 <laughs> inches. The yeah, Bill Dad. Bill Dad, the shoe right. height. Yep. Yeah, one of the shortest men. Never pointed out. I did not know that. Well, you might want to make a note in your next book about that. Yeah. All right. well, what? I think I'll write an entire book just about that. Just just <laughs> focus on Bill <laughs> Dad, the short one. Bill Dad, ah, the short one. Uh, yeah, he could be quite a heel. Uh, what type of things focus on Jesus, per se, did he see as demonically or spiritually influenced that the people around him may have missed? You gave some examples in your book. Right. And I, I don't know if the, the people then missed it, but I think in similar situation, situations today, we definitely missed it. Um, he treated illness sometimes, not always, as demonically influenced. Um, but the... You know, he he treated it. You know, there's lots of cases of casting out demons for for things that I'm sure today we would call, um, you know, having. We would give some fancy medical term for it. We wouldn't call it um, being demon possessed. Um, some of us might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, and I think that's that's a good thing. And I think, um, you know, I grew up in a church that. Um, didn't put a big emphasis on spiritual warfare and things. Um, and I think perhaps some churches might go too far in the other direction. Mm-hmm, but I, th- mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's good uh, to realize that, that that is biblical, you know. It is something that's out there. And also Jesus' um, main focus, obviously, though, 
is he, he realized that people's main problem was their sin. And I think uh, sometimes we, we think our main problem is um, we're not rich and happy or something, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, or, you know, they, they lowered the, the paralytic down through the roof and went through all that effort to get right. him there. And he says, you, your sins are forgiven, you know? And mm. um, he I don't know what his reaction was, but you know, it would have been tempting to think, "What about my legs here? This is, right. you know, this is the problem." Uh, right. Yeah, and yeah. that, uh, speaking personally, that actually kind of cuts close to home because Tom Bionic has those kind of thoughts, <laughs> probably more than he would like to. Yeah. And what did what did Jesus say to him? Which is easier, right. to <laughs> say your sins are forgiven, or to get up and walk? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then he says, so you can know that I have the authority to forgive sins, get up and walk. So the healing was was only just a little sign for them, because he said those people wanted signs. It was a little sign for them of the key thing they needed, was that forgive, forgiveness of sins were now available. And that was right. the thing that they needed to be concerned with. And, of course, the thing that haunted them was the only one who could forgive sins is God himself. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, what did that mean about Jesus Himself by doing that? And of course, you know, uh, when when you go back and reread the Gospels with this lens, looking through it, you see how Jesus actually is talking to these principalities and powers all the time. Right. And in fact, there's a passage later uh, in the New Testament that says, um, I believe it's in Colossians, where it says He took uh, at the cross, He nailed our sins on the cross, and He did that. Uh, as a point to all the principalities and powers to defeat them. And so he saw that as a battle of of spiritual heavy significance in what he was doing. And we pick up that fight ourselves. Even though that was the death knell for them, the battlefield still goes on. They haven't laid down their arms. Uh, They're they're planning to fight to the last demonic character, uh, the last archon. And uh, we pick up and see, see that fight from there. Now, um, well, if I could jump in and, and yeah. comment on that, I think um, that sometimes we, uh, you know, Satan knows he, he can't uh, defeat us openly, you know, that his uh, demonic forces and things don't have power over us. Um, so he would much rather have us just kind of ignore that whole aspect of reality and just push it off to the side, you know, mm-hmm. he can't, or, or, worried about other things um and this is jumping a little further back but one of my favorite things about the gospel that's that's really jumped out at me um all throughout the gospels when jesus is talking is the the idea of the kingdom of god and how anything else has the potential to keep us from it you know and things that we would not call evil um, you know, good things mm-hmm. like taking taking care of someone who had died or right. um, these things. But but Jesus's point was that you got to get get rid of everything to um, grasp on to the kingdom of God. And I think that it's powerful. And I think one of the goals of my uh, work is to try to point out, hey, there's lots of stuff that seems like it's good and seems like it should get our attention. Uh, but if it's part of the world, you know, it's part of what has the potential to distract us from the things of God, not, mm-hmm. you know, not those, not the truly important things. So. That's right, that's right. And you're right; it, it doesn't necessarily wear horns and a tail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it can seem even virtuous in some way. But the key is, 
Is it what God wants us to have? Like for, I'll give you a military example because I think the military example fits well a lot of times our our work in the kingdom. Uh, you could be a private and you can go see a bazooka on the ground and go grab it and say, man, I can take out a lot of the enemy with this bazooka running around. The only problem is is that the commanders didn't plan on you going and using a bazooka. Mm-hmm. They needed you yeah. to fill a certain hole over there, even if it was with a rifle, right. to to hold down the enemy so some other people could go knock out a pillbox somewhere. Right. So just the fact that you had a big weapon and a thing's useful and you got good intentions and you're running out does not mean it helps accomplish the mission. And, and I think uh, it's easy for like you're saying, it's either easy for us to not understand the mission um, or to think that the mission relies so heavily on us that we have to do something big right. for God. And, <laughs> and, and God, uh, you know, that's, that's such the story of Scripture is God taking people who obviously couldn't accomplish the things that God wanted to accomplish and having those things accomplished so that God would get the glory, you know, so mm-hmm. that... Mm-hmm. So, you know, God can use um, little things. We don't have to to worry about, oh, how do we get control of a major news network or something, you know? It's, right. It's, we it's, take it's, it by force. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Right. For all our echelon and CIA and FBI right. people right. listening. Yeah, just disregard Tom Bionic like we do. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I, I want to talk about a specific issue here that you go into, which you, you boldly enter uh, in this discussion. Uh, and you, you talk about some going back to science and the fact that Christian faith does not have to be at war with science, right. which I'm glad to hear being a scientist myself. I never felt the need. Uh, of course, I picked a field of engineering that's dominant, dominated by, by mathematics. It doesn't right. get into biology and things, so there really is no wars that have to be there. If anything, uh, we acknowledge, and even in some of my secular textbooks admitted, that laws of thermodynamics necessitate there must have been a god. That created ultimate order, uh, in you know, in the secular world. We're back at Future Quake with Doctor Future and Tom, still fighting the New World Order, getting tired. Time for everybody else to join in. I thought you were Conan the Barbarian at the beginning of the show. I'm not as strong as I thought I was. Okay, well, (laughs) you know, sometimes when we're weak, then we're strong. You know, well, that's that's my motto. Well, what did you think about uh, what Brother Andrew had to say uh, on this segment? Once again, I feel like we were. We were totally on the same team. Yeah. Like I found a twin brother or something. That's right. Well, you know, in other parts of the globe, how we can come to some of the same conclusions. I think yeah. God has a work going on of turning the light on in people's heads. And mm-hmm. I still have a long way to go. But, uh, yeah, me too. Uh, maybe, maybe he's making some things clear for us. Yeah. Uh, I think it's very key what he talked about, how we get our information from intermediates rather than directly. Mm-hmm. And I want to challenge our listeners to go contact your missionaries in the Middle East or in other parts of the world, and mm-hmm. ask them what's really going on. Go listen to Carl Madera's yeah. interview. Well, I mean, I'm that's not, very but even somebody who connects through your church, they would be flattered to to uh, to be asked by you what's really going on in the street, and I think the results would shock you. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. there's somebody you trust, and there's somebody not selling you something. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody else who doesn't sell you anything is Merv, who can tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. 
Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. He's just a disembodied head. Yeah, I hate to hear that, too. But uh, any last comments before we go? Man, I just, um, yeah, no, none. Sorry, get out of here. Sorry we're out of time. <laughs> Come back for the last segment tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom Hosea 8-4, Bionic. Mm, trying to remember. This is about the kings that are not... Yeah. That he did not pick. Yeah. There are kings there that I didn't pick. Wow. That shakes a lot of people in the world. I know. A lot of Christians. Of course, that's what Future Quake's all about. Mm-hmm. He is trying to challenge some of the uh, cultural baggage that comes along with a Christian walk and get back well, to the Bible. Uh, yeah, I would say... It, I would. That's what I was going to say. It's all about... Getting back to Jesus. And sometimes it surprises us about ourselves. Yeah, I know. How different it can look like than what it is. Turns, and some, out, huh? turns out we're like, think we're all awesome, and then we're just covered in yeah. and that's, slop. And that's yeah. still going on with us and our listeners, yep. too, isn't it? Yep. Well, someone who can help us in that is our guest this week, Andrew Hoffman, who's been talking about his new book, The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective, who has put it all together in very concise terms in a very uh, relatively small book, but it, it has so much information that not only you, but people you give it to will be able to understand the big picture from a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. They will advance dramatically in their understanding just with this one book. Uh, we don't say that about every book. Every book has its place, but this one is a more holistic, mm-hmm. uh, covering all the material, and we highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. But this is the last segment of our interview with him, uh, and uh, there's Andrew Hoffman is going to pick up our discussion here, and then we'll be right back to wrap it up here at Future Quick. But having said that, uh, we, we get that. And, in fact, I think it's often taught, even to our young people in church, to be fearful of science. Right. And you give one example in your book of something that, that is, is sort of a touchy subject for people, evangelicals, and that's about our origins and the Genesis record. And can you give a little example of a, a possible answer in Genesis as to the possible age of the earth that sort of is more consistent with some of the record of what we have on the earth, but also can be a consistent reading of Scripture as well. Right. And this, um, because I've seen all sorts of debates on this and theories, um, and I thought, I think most of them either don't take the Bible seriously enough um, or they they kind of attribute to it things that aren't there. you know, I think there's there's nothing in the Bible that, that talks about the earth being 15,000 years old. Um, you know, I understand how, how people get that. Uh, but the thing that I talk about is um, the work of Gerald Schroeder, and I, I found that through uh, Nowhere to Run's YouTube channel. And another plug there. Can, can, but, can I uh, say a little preamble to your yeah. thought to prepare some of our skeptical listeners? Yeah. Okay. A lot of our Christian apologists, for what we believe, mm-hmm. will say that the six days of Gen- Genesis must be six 24-hour days as we know them, as we completely understand them without variation, because nothing ever changes. But right. yet they will dispute the archaeological record 
that we find about sediments and things like that because they say, look, things have always not stayed the same all the time. That's the error the scientists make. There was big changes with the flood that changed everything. You know, even, even the sun stopped one time in the sky. So things change. You can't assume they're always the same, but yet we make that same mistake in Scripture. Mm-hmm. which the text does not force us to have to make. So I just wanted people to think about that following the description and explanation you're going to give. Yeah, and I think uh, on the other side of things, uh, you know, secular scientists and things make the same types of uh, contradictory arguments. But um, the, the, Gerald, the Gerald Schroeder idea is that he takes... Um, old commentary on the scriptures before anyone had heard of the Big Bang or anything like that. And he combines that with his um, with peer-reviewed physics research, um, he, and he's a physicist at MIT. And what he talks about is how uh, the, the biblical words are, you know, 24-hour days. Um, but he said what when physicists speak about the age of the earth they say oh it's about 15 billion years old Uh, but he said the part that they always leave off that's assumed is that if you measure it from here now Mm -hmm. and the the whole idea is that time does not pass at the same rate um, in all places in the universe at once Mm -hmm. and some places in the universe might be uh, you know 15 billion years old in some places in the universe might be three days old. And if I can um, explain that, if you measure time from, from what you consider a stationary object, and you can only just define it stationary, it's like from this frame of reference of where this point is in space, it goes at a certain time. Things that move relative to that space have, have a different experience of time, particularly if they're moving real fast, it's much more appreciable and measurable. I know that still seems sort of crazy, but that's how... The mathematics proves it, that that's how it works. Right, and that, that our idea of time as being kind of a constant is not correct, you know. Um, our intuitive understanding of time isn't the reality of time. And modern physics has, has figured that out. But what he um, points out that's interesting in the uh, biblical text is that um, Genesis says uh, that there was day one, and he said that he, they don't say the first day, they say day one. And that's kind of a definitive starting point. So it's kind of like the, the beginning of time. And he cal- calculates it out by saying that um, if, you, if measured from the center point of the universe, you know, the beginning of time, um, the earth, you know, would have seen or the universe would seem about six days old. Um, and then if you measured it back from Earth, it would be about 14 billion years old. And mm-hmm. he, he argues that the biblical text switches its perspective on the sixth day when um, God creates man, so that then um, time is now measured from the earthly perspective because that's humanity, kind of the, the center of God's creation there. And, uh, you know, it's something that, is certainly open for debate. I just think you, I just thought it was interesting, and a, I thought it was a pretty good explanation right. where you can um, take the Bible seriously, which which I think is a must, and um, not get into the you know trying to claim 
all the, you know, that the, the light from the stars that seems like it's thousands of light years away really isn't, you know, mm-hmm. um, all those right. right, because you end up, yeah, when you constrain Scripture more than the text itself does, mm-hmm. you end up like the Pharisees who are saying, don't do work on Sabbath means you can carry a grape, you know, right. or a block <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. And uh, we start building a fence around Scripture, much like the Pharisees built a fence around the commands of God. Mm-hmm. And you think you're doing God a favor by doing that when it's totally irrelevant. Yeah, God yeah. doesn't need you to do him favors. <laughs> and that's why I really appreciate people, like we've mentioned Robert Hyde, uh, Mike Heiser. Uh, has certainly opened my mind a lot about understanding Scripture in a fresh way without ever violating you know, the Word of God and what it has to say. And in fact, if anything, given an increased legitimacy in my in my life as far as being able to see, aha, it really is true, and there's even more proof it's true than what I understood beforehand. And that that's the amazing thing about the Bible is that you can, um, in some ways it, it's fairly simple and straightforward, but you can read through it the same passage you've read 50 times before and, and something will... Um, hit you that that you've never realized before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, for me at least, the the Bible almost gets more, um, not more obvious, but more straightforward the the more I read it, um, rather than you know literature, or poetry, or things where if you really dig into it, you can find all sorts of hidden patterns and things like that. The the Bible almost kind of sticks out from the page rather than you you happen to to dig in. Right. And looking forward, some of the awkward arguments that we make today as Christians to try to harmonize what we see in science and and what the future is are based still on further ignorance. And although science's goal is not to prove the Bible by any stretch, it may inadvertently give us further information to help us understand these things further. Uh, you, You know, a lot of theologians didn't have access to this kind of information which which helps to shine light on wisdom in the Bible that was already there. You know, I think about quantum physics, and that quantum physics has some bizarre things that the mathematics show can be real, that a particle can be at two places at once, for example, and, and other things like this. And that gives me suggestions that what we consider supernatural miracles do not necessarily have to violate the laws of science. Right. Uh, you know, you know Jesus... Right. Just knew the operating system a little bit better. Yeah. That's right. If God uh, if God has the keys to where those electrons need to be, mm-hmm. he could take a tumor and make it become a non-tumor. Mm-hmm. All he has to do is just get those electrons and things to go where the other place that the laws of science allow them to be and to have and, the power to be able to manipulate them. And I, I think um, some of the... Some of the old arguments for our conception of God's sovereignty that led to really deterministic theology came from the idea that if you knew everything in the universe, um, you know, basically you would know every step of the way, everything that would happen from here to eternity. eternity. So the argument was there's no actual um, freedom of at any level going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it's it's bad to get carried away in either direction with that, but I, I think that there, you know, part of what I believe was people's misconceptions or, you know, misunderstanding of, of God, and I think in some ways, you know, we're never going to figure that out until mm-hmm. we get to heaven, mm-hmm. but um, 
was based on an inadequate understanding of physical reality. You know, it was much more complex than right. uh, Darwin or anyone like that thought. Mm-hmm. Just like the Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what, what God has in store for his children. Uh, and that includes the enlightenment that he'll show us one day of how we argued over petty things and we didn't even have the basic information to be able to make a strong case either way uh, on some of these matters. Uh, there's one other thing I'm going to ask you, getting it back to um, the spiritual world but also in structure. Uh, you talk about the hierarchical structure and nature of satanic world kingdoms, mm-hmm. and there's a certain nature to how they look that has a satanic power written all over them. And how does it contrast to what you propose as a preferable decentralized model of the body of Christ? What, what, what's what's really the key things of uh, the satanic world? Well, I think there's the, there's a reason why the pyramid is such a big occult um, symbol with like the the eye at the top shining out lights. You know, I think it's kind of a, a Luciferian symbol, but the idea is that. Um, with hierarchical structures, if you can control the top, um, then you can, to some extent, control the whole whole organization. And, um, you know, satanic spiritual forces or spiritual forces that are antagonistic to Christ, you know, they're, they're not um, omnipotent. They're, they're not everywhere at once. So they they have to use power structures to get what they want accomplished. And I think um, as Christians, it would be a good idea to look at, um, you know, biblical church structure and how it didn't really follow the pyramid design. And I think sometimes we think, oh, we should run our church like a business and have, you know, the pastor be the CEO and we've got a a elder board that's kind of like the board of directors and, um, I really don't think that that's, um, you know, perhaps it can work well for a while, but it, it, you're you're inviting in spiritual attack because if Satan can destroy your church by attacking a couple people, right? Uh, that's what he's going to do. And the, um, the early church was really structured where it was, you know, you had elders who were, who had matured in the faith. Um, you know, some of them were teachers and some of them you know, had had other gifts, um, and the idea was that everyone in the church was a part of it. You know, the body yeah. of Christ, everyone has a role instead of, um, you know, power struggles for, I know how this church should run, and you're going to listen to me, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm sure never happens in... in yeah, I've never heard of that. I've never, <laughs> never heard that happen before. That's a new one on me. Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree. I think that's something that churches really need to do more of in general. There's not enough uh, raising up the people within the church. Uh, so often it's, well, okay, this person went to a Bible college for a little while, so he must right. know a lot, and then he's going to tell us how to work, how to do it. So Right. As, as you phrase it here, the hallmark of satanic kingdoms of this world is a pyramidal hierarchical structure with each level of the pyramid groveling below the level above and dominating the level below. Mm-hmm. Now, I've worked at many organizations that work just that way. And, you know, you can be a nobody in a nobody organization, but if you have a few people under you, you think you're really a hot shot. <laughs> and that is a satanic yeah. model, according to you. 
of, of how yeah. things are run. And I think, you know, if you're in any kind of position, even unofficially, in some kind of, you know, Christian organization, we need to make sure we don't look like that. Right. And I, I think, um, and while I lived in Phoenix, Arizona for a while, I went to a, a great church down there called Open Door Fellowship. And um, their church structure, I, I'd say it was fairly traditional. You know, they had pastors and, and elders and things, but they um, led from a position of uh, trust rather than authority. So, so their, or I should say their authority came from people trusting them rather than, you know, demanding obedience and, and you know, special rules to keep people in line. And the result was that the, the church, I think, was started back in the 60s, and the guy who started the church um, is no longer the pastor, but, you know, he still comes every right. every Sunday. You know, That's it's, cool. It, it's where he mentored the next guy who became the teaching pastor, and they're, they're mentoring the next generation, but everyone's still, still a part of it. It's not the model of you bring someone in to run your church for a while, and then when you get sick of them, you boot them out and bring in someone else. Right. I, I think that... Um, if if your church is structured like that, understand that your your pastor is a spiritual target. You know, pray for that. Right. <laughs> pray for that guy. Definitely. Well, yeah. and churches sometimes can set them up by glorifying them and setting them in a lofty position and yeah. giving so much power that it that it corrupts because they're still human beings. Yeah. And uh, that's that's the fear that I see. But you know, people want a king. Uh, in the Old yeah. Testament, they didn't want God for their king. They wanted one like the other nations. And even these days, Christians want an earthly surrogate for a king uh, rather than Christ himself leading it. Uh, and then sometimes they even enjoy saliciously uh, when they see those kings fall. They like to set them up and see them fall. And we yeah. learn that on TV with stars and athletes and everybody else. We like to watch them rise and fall. Uh, political officials, things like this. Uh, we just got a few more minutes, and I want to ask you one more question. If you can briefly, in just a few minutes, talk about uh, this whole issue and how it changed when Constantine came along. Um, what were some of the basic things he changed, if you can tell, in just a few minutes? Sure, um, and, and I think that was one of the, the huge changes in Christianity, the, the supposed stories that he saw um, a cross with the sun behind it, and it said, mm-hmm. conquer in this, this symbol, or, you know. Yeah, so by this he, symbol, conquer. By this symbol, conquer. So he uh, decided, Sorry. oh, we'll just slap a, a Christian logo on everything, and um, I'll keep doing basically what I want to be doing. And the, part of, I think it was more of a political move on his part, because early um, Christians were not participating in the military. They were, um, you know, refusing to take up arms against anyone they were um, kind of what we would call pacifists and he realized well I got to give them a, a piece of the action so he invited them into the power structure and instead of being you know persecuted and hunted down and excluded from society um, they they got power but I think the the price for that power and the nicer lifestyles and all of that um, was that it corrupted Christianity, or it, cor- it corrupted the church, anyway. 
Mm-hmm. Rather, think right. Rather than the mystery religions being the syncretistic approach, where they could take other kingdoms and sort of merge the religions in it, they found they could come up with a form of pseudo Christianity that did the same thing. Right. Right. And they they found ways of bringing those mystery religions into uh, what they were still calling Christianity. And I think uh, so much of the the conspiracy stuff on the internet that's bashing Christianity as just another tool of the system um, points to kind of that straw man argument of the you know Constantine and later versions of the of of Christianity and I, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's fair I don't think it's reasonable to blame that on mm-hmm. on Christianity when that's not what biblical the biblical church is supposed to be like. And the onus is on us to show people there's a difference. Right. But, you know, it's it's interesting when you look in Revelation, when, when, you know, we're talking about he sees this sign, but this sign conquered a sea, a white horse, of one of the horsemen when the seal is open, and you see a crown put on his head of earthly authority and says, you know, he went out conquering and to conquer. And it makes you wonder if it's prophetically looking at when that event happened, the turning point in the history of the church. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. I haven't... Hadn't thought about that one. Uh, well, uh, Andrew, you know, we're we're really at the end of our show time, and we're just getting ready to get into the really controversial stuff. All right. Uh, we we handled the easy stuff like our origins, <laughs> well, you can, know, war and things like that. You know, the real non-controversial stuff we've handled. Well, I, I hope people order my book before they get offended there. So. Okay. Yeah, that's a go. good idea. They'll get it, and then they can get mad after they get the book. That's right. But, Getting mad is usually the step on to getting informed. Uh, I can't think of too many times when it didn't require me being offended to actually have a major revelation and an epiphany. And uh, maybe that's what you all are due for out there. But all of our Futurians, you're going to find a lot of amens you're going to say when you read this book. It's all structured uh, in a very concise structure that puts all the pieces together. But the people you need to give it to are the most important thing. You need to get the book for that purpose. We're going to have your link. Uh, it's eugenicswars.com, correct? Correct. We haven't even talked about the eugenics yet. Uh, can we ask for you a almost unprecedented request on Future Quake to come back for a part two in our discussion? Oh, absolutely. I'd love to do it. And we, haven't, we haven't scared you away with this first experience. No, this is... a. This is a, a dream come true to be on Future Quake. This is, this is hey, let's save you may that. want to aim higher, Brother Hoffman. Let, let's save that clip <laughs> when we run that for the promos, okay? Yeah. Um, no, seriously, we'd like to have you back uh, yeah. because we're going to talk about all of the, the, the third rail kind of stuff. We're going to talk about uh, American military-industrial complex. We're going to talk about a war. Uh, more science stuff, materialistic determination, eugenic state. Oh, we've got a bunch of eugenic stuff to talk about. And then we get into the pretty far out stuff, the rest is dark kind of uh, information. Yeah. And some more surprises you have for us, which justifies the uh, far out cover that you put, even by future quake standards, on the front of this book. Reminds the, me of the Future Mobile. The na- uh, it looks very much like the Future Mobile. Uh, the, the name of the book again, The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective. It's much more than that. It is really a coherent worldview that I think is based upon the latest discoveries that the Lord has shown a lot of us in Christian circles right now about what's going on in these last days. And uh, it needs to be on every bookshelf, but you need to buy them in bulk and get them to other friends. So uh, they can get that at your website, correct? That is correct. Yeah, and I will uh, 
sign it for them if they're interested in that. And included with their order is a DVD tract. So. Really? Awesome. Yeah. What about like a little $20 bill bookmark you could put in there too? Yeah. Um, if, if you send them to me, I'll send them out. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Hey, Brother Andrew, it's great to have you. I tell you, my heart, it was warmed so much when I read this book. I couldn't put it down. And there's a book comes by here just about every week, and virtually all of them are great. I mean, they're really great information. A lot of times they're focused on one specific topic, which is what we typically do on Future Quake. But mm-hmm. but your book is one that puts it all together in a very articulate way, in a very uh, thought-out way. And listeners, uh, you haven't even gotten the whole big picture. We we're still in the early stages of we explaining just, we just the scope. just set the ball up to spike. That uh, Brother Andrew goes through. And we're going to talk about some real touchy kind of stuff here and have uh, some fascinating things for you all to hear. And, uh, Brother Andrew, I appreciate you uh, coming with us on Future Quake. Well, thank you. And uh, I want you also to be thinking about uh, we, we want to pick your brain in the next show uh, about not only the content of your book, but from what you've learned in doing the book and your research, what you think is on the horizon in the future. So I want you to mull that over a little bit. Oh, well, you know, I, I've got the whole next 10 years mapped out already. So. Amen. That's mm-hmm. great. I'm so glad. That'll be convenient for us, although it'll make the rest of the Future Quake shows a little boring. Yeah. <laughs> that drives with my plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can be anyway. Ten-year plan. Serve the Lord. Well, uh, we're going to say goodbye, but we're going to have you right back and uh, have you back and pick up where we left off, if that's okay. That sounds great. For part two in the saga. Again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, our our dear friend, Brother Andrew John Hoffman, author of The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective. You can see the link at our website, eugenicwars.com. Until then, we'll talk to you soon, Brother Andrew. Okay, talk to you soon. Thank you. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. Tom, fan of the upside-down pyramid. No I. Amen. Bionic. Amen. I thought about that upside down pyramid with the servant leader. Yeah, and I think that is a. The more that I, the more that I hear that, the more that I think that is an incredibly accurate portrayal. Do you think we should make some T-shirts with that on it, just to get people to ask you about That's it? That's a cool idea. Just man. have an upside down pyramid, and what kind of people are going to ask questions? Yeah, I think that'd be a neat idea. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, somebody else who's awesome is uh, our friend Andrew Hoffman, who. Um, He's written an incredible book, and for a young man, it's quite an achievement what he's done to be able to put his arms around all of this. Yeah. Please go to our website, get his book, and get multiple copies. If you want to get one, find out for yourself. But you're going to see how good it is to be able to introduce other people you know to this information. Plus, it's got a really cool cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to have him back because yeah, he, some of the we more... We didn't even in, actually get into the information. Some of the, Well, we did. We're about halfway through. But some of the more intense information, the real head-scratching stuff, is going to be in the next segment. So we're going to have him back here in the next few weeks, have him to uh, pick up where we left off. It's a very rare two-parter, but I yeah. think it's worth it. Someone else who's worth it is Merv, who can tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. 
Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're going to go in late. Let's hit it. Okay, come back for tomorrow's trimmers uh, in our next show. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. Very full because I've sort of had two dinners, actually. Bionic. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and I saw Mrs. Future uh, load you up a little bit. Well, I had to, I had to try that. It just mm. came out of the oven. And, Future Quake lasagna. You could, you could smell the mozzarella, man. It was mm-hmm. like, mm, Right before recording time here. Mm-hmm. It's at the big Future Quake cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Had a big long line. It's interesting that you make Doctor Future or Mrs. Future work in the Future Quake yeah, cafeteria. Yeah, it's fun to see Merv in the hairnet too, <laughs> slopping stuff from behind the counter. Yeah, I know. This isn't part yeah. of my contract. Telling Py- Pyro to move his tray down. <laughs> Hurry up and get to recording. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you. <clears throat> it's another Friday. We hope you enjoyed uh, the interview with Andrew Hoffman uh, this week. Andrew uh, John Hoffman. Or yes. Or does he like to go to Andrew Hoffman? I don't know. Uh, talking about his book, The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective. And since today's Friday, um, I can hear the tension build of all our listeners out there. Bum, Please bum, say it bum, right. Bum, Please. Bum, bum. What does uh, Friday signify in Future Quake, Tom Bionic? Tomorrow's tremors or today's review of the future's news. <laughs> <laughs> the foundations are falling at Future Quake. Glory, glory, <laughs> hallelujah. You're exactly right. That is, without any demerits, the name of Future Quake. Or the, this show well, no, will actually, go down in history. It's the name. It's only the name of the Friday show. Oh, the Friday show. I don't care. I'm taking victory where we can seize it. <laughs> Charlie Brown has kicked the football from Lucy, finally, for once. Do, 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 do. That's right. It's tomorrow's Tremors, or yeah. today's review of the Future's News. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, mark this in your day planner. This is the official day that mm-hmm. Tom Bionic got it correctly. I'm awesome. That means we're in for something special today. Indeed. Well, speaking of that, do you have any special announcements or things going on in your world? Well, boy, I mean, I could tell you a whole bunch of weird stories, but uh, I just wouldn't... In like other words, a normal future question. Yeah, show. it's just another week. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, last day's conference, both of us are speaking. Last just day's 2010. Really quick, yep. In Antioch, Tennessee. Antioch, Tennessee. I was listening to PID Radio, Peering mm-hmm. into Darkness Radio, with the Gilberts, and they were plugging oh, yeah. it on a website. Well, Mr. I, Gilbert has now been added, right? I was going to say, as of this recording, Mr. Gilbert is now the MC. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be You know, this is sort of like Oscars talk, where everybody was wondering who was going to host it, you know? <laughs> and so now we know who's going to host. You know, they always wonder who's going to host the Oscars. Oh, no, oh, yeah, yeah. You've heard of that, and that big gold statue thing that they give yeah. out. Yeah, my a friend of mine, a friend of mine won a. Well, he's a musician. He won a Grammy. Yeah, he made it into a pencil holder. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it was great. Well, that's cool. Now there probably won't be any awards given out at this conference. I'm thinking. Well, I might give you one for most stylish action action scene in a. Okay. In a. Uh, yeah. Independent film. Or okay. independent radio show. Okay. Well, that sounds good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> they will also. Well, there will be treasures in heaven, probably doled out though. Yeah. As opposed to I most people so. who who learn from this, abide in the information there. Mm-hmm. When you got people like Russ Dizdar speaking, mm-hmm. Lynn Marzulli, mm-hmm. Chris White, mm-hmm. 
uh, you, me. You. Yep. Uh, see who else is on our list here. It's um. Who who are we leaving out? We're leaving out a whole bunch of people too. Uh, um, Guy Guy Malone, Malone, Joe Jordan, Joe Jordan, and uh, Chris Pinto. And Chris Pinto. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think we got that eight. I think we've got the magnificent eight. Yeah. Yeah. It's a place we'll, to see and be seen. In other yeah. words, we'll take down the magnificent seven. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Ladies and gentlemen, seriously, I mentioned before prior week. If you have to postpone your wedding, it's it's appropriate yeah. to do so to meet this conference, twenty third and twenty fourth of April, right? Yes. Um, have you gotten a general consensus? I sent a title in mm-hmm. for my mystery talk. Uh, have you got a general feel about what the general consistent theme and scope is going to be? Scary stuff. Scary in earthly terms, but yeah. deliverance in Christian terms. Yep. Right. Uh, well, very much so. I mean, the name of the conference. I just call it lastdays.net because I don't know why. That just seems to me like the name of it, even though that's not really the name yeah. of it. It's lastdays.net. Last yeah, the last days conference. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, God coming back is the, would be the general theme, mm-hmm. fighting mm-hmm. the enemy, mm-hmm. kicking the powers of darkness in the head with a steel boot of the Lord. But things could get very dark and intense on earth until that time comes because there's a time of judgment. Yeah, I mean, between now and April, it could happen, you know? It could, which would make this all moot. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would go on and pre-order your tickets anyway at last-days.net. Yes. Even if you do lose them due to if we find a rapture or something that can occur then. Or yeah. Even if you might be one of the third that are died due to the events well, between now and then. It's got to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. But other than that, uh, prohibiting that, it's going to be on in Antioch, Tennessee, just on the outskirts of Nashville. Yeah. And uh, we we need a whole bunch of people to show up. Uh, some people are stepping out on faith and putting money down on the table to help uh, run this. But mm-hmm. we need the other thing is if you can invite friends, people who are associates of yours to come. Invite five of your closest friends, unless you don't want to go, in which case invite five of your closest enemies. Well, well, the other thing you could do is to tell your pastor and get them really worried about you, where they're concerned and where they feel like they need to come with you yeah. to see all this weird stuff you've been reading and hearing about. Sure. And they might learn some things while they're there. Yeah, uh, assuming they, you know, come with an open, you know, open ears. Yeah, well, the Holy Spirit will be doing things there. I'll bet he will be. You know, I went to the Ancient of Days conference back in 2005 mm-hmm. and really saw the Spirit of God move at Guy Malone's conference. That's why it's neat to see him yeah. coming. That really uh, changed your life, didn't it? Oh, it, it took things in a different direction, different mm-hmm. spin. I just started being introduced to people like Mike Heiser and David Flynn and others. Mm-hmm. But until I really saw the cohesiveness of the message and people who were not part of your your well-heeled, well-financed Christian media people, mm-hmm. uh, people that weren't part of the very well-to-do Christian ministries that they speak about stuff that have automatically have vested interests that keep things bankrolled. Yeah. I feel like they're defrauding the bride, almost. Well, I won't say, say that. I won't say all of them. Can we delete that? I won't say all that, but uh, um, these people basically, there's no real way they can be in it for the money. Yeah. Because there's just who who would there ever? Is none. Yeah. Who, who wealthy, powerful interests would ever underwrite what they're doing? Mm-hmm. You know, so um, they do it because they believe God's put it on their heart. Mm-hmm. And you'll see a lot of that at this conference coming up. Yeah. Uh, but beware. Well, we don't want to be a dead horse. All right. Uh, you got Boom. any any stories to Boom. share with us? Yeah. I was driving back from work a couple of days ago, and this dude in a Camaro pulled up next to me and was, like, revving his engine, mm-hmm. eyeballing me and stuff. Brand new Camaro. And you know that 
the uh, the the bionic mobile is not so bionic. Well, it's little, seen some better days, but a little, little, little modest. Yeah, and he's he's eyeballing me, and he's kind of like looking at my car, mm-hmm. and you know, it's like a brand new Camaro versus yeah, you know, old car. Yeah, and uh, so he goes flying off, and and you know, he had like Mason stickers all over the back of his car. Huh. The weirdest thing. I don't know. I don't know huh. if there's a connection. Did you have anything anti-masonic on the back of your vehicle? Well, uh, mm-hmm. I did have the um, the big uh, no alien sticker, which yeah, they probably would have been offended by that. Yeah, and the uh, um, you know don't tread on me thing of the uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know AJ's Alex Jones sort of mm-hmm. thing. And that was about it. And I couldn't mm-hmm. figure it out. I don't know. I can't and, explain and Christ- that. Like a big old Christian sticker too. Huh. So I don't know. Interesting. I thought maybe they wanted to know if that was Tom Biotic inside. Yeah. I was thinking that might have been it. The hand gestures seem to yeah. indicate that yeah. there was something more to yeah. it. Well, if you're out there, if you're listening and you're Camaro racing by. Yeah. Uh, send we, us a, send me an email. Well, I'd like to know what that was all about. And we'd love to talk to you, too. If you don't know what we're about, we'd love to tell you about Jesus. Very much so. And uh, he's like us, only he's a whole lot better mm-hmm. without our problems. But Better we'd love everybody here. everybody to know Jesus. That's what, really what we want to do. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now, so, real story. How about a news story that actually impacts people's lives? <laughs> Why don't you go first? Are you sure? Yeah. All right. I've got a little political bent this week. Great. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> this is about uh, Glenn Beck uh, sort of changing his story. This is from WorldNet Daily, which is a fairly mainstream Christian news source. Uh, probably the top one on the web. Uh, I'd say Raiders gives them a run for the money, mm-hmm. but, but World Net Daily for mainstream stuff. Uh, the title is Meet a Kinder, Gentler Glenn Beck, New Global Warming Believer. Uh, and it says here that while polls show that people drifting away from acceptance of global warming, the newest sh- superstar among conservatives is Glenn Beck is embracing it, according to an interview story in a leading national Sunday newspaper magazine. You'd be an idiot not to notice the temperature change, he says. He also thinks it could be partly caused partly by man's activity. At home, he's going green by using ener- energy-saving products. I'm willing to do anything but use the CFLs, uh, he says, of compact fluorescent light bulbs. I put them in once and couldn't stand the way they lit up the room. The kinder, gentler, greener, and warmer side of Beck, known as a firebrand conservative, came to light in an interview in USA Weekend uh, magazine, which is distributed through more than 600 newspapers. Now, wait a minute. Hasn't he... Sort of almost made a career of flip-flopping on important topics. I mean, well, you I know, can, he really supported the banker bailout. Sure, but he—I mean—he plays himself off, if I'm not mistaken, as very libertarian, but then seems right. to sort of betray that. Uh, as long as you don't points. express liberty, yes, it's okay. Yes, but he—you know—well, I, I could go on. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, he says Beck also has lots of friends on the other side of the political spectrum. He reveals. He calls George Clooney a good, honest man. Beck says the two of them had an extended conversation about genocide in Darfur. Uh, he says uh, Beck's personal publicist, Matt Hiltzik, is a Democratic power player who helped get Hillary Rodham Clinton elected in the U.S. Senate, said the magazine uh, report. Now, you know, that may or may not have any significance. I mean, those publicists, mm-hmm. they, they really into making money, regardless of what they're They just doing. like to write and get paid for it. That's <clears throat> yeah. it. He says, uh, let me tell you about Liz Julius Etter, the, my magazine, Fusion. I guess it's Glenn Beck's magazine. Mm-hmm. Every year, I match charitable donations that my employees make. She ends up giving her money away to some hippie hemp farm somewhere, and she loves to rub it in, and I'm writing a check for that. 
She's one of my favorite people because we hardly agree on anything, but we challenge each other. He also explains how he chose Mormonism as his religion. Uh, he was raised Catholic and wasn't practicing any faith. You know, he had a big bout with alcoholism and suicide and stuff, I don't mm. know if you knew his background. When he met his current wife, Tanya, says report, when she insisted that a church needed to be part of their family's life, they began church shopping. We tried them all, Beck says, Unitarian, Episcopalian, Baptist, even a synagogue. We ended up with the Church of Latter-day Saints because I took my daughters from my first marriage there, and they said, Dad, this place makes us feel warm and welcome inside. Can we come back? So that so he he chose it for not... It wasn't based on any sort of truth claim. Not a doctrinal thing yeah. or whether he thought yeah. they were right about God. Yeah. But the kids felt warm, warm and, and welcome. Warm and fuzzy. Yeah. Cool. I'd, I'd take two things from that. Do, 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 you, do you make your doctrinal decisions about truth on who makes you feel warm and welcome? And secondly, as the challenge to our churches out there, which, you know, we're part of one, does our church do that? Because obviously, until people get their doctrinal head screwed on straight... Sure. These kind of things make a difference. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's not like it's like people need, are threatening other visitors or something. That's right. I've never seen anybody with you know had gun drawn you know yeah. to a visitor at our church. But 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 the thing is, it must be that you have to make a loving impression first, and then hopefully you can show them what the Bible says mm-hmm. to believe. And if not, you're going to have more things like high-profile people like this. Well, there was this, there was a very interesting quote I read as a very young Christian. Well, I say very young. I mean, I haven't been a Christian nearly as long as you have. Uh, so in a very real sense, I still am pretty young about the whole thing. But, you know, I read this thing, and it's this guy was ministering, trying to witness to people on the street. And after about the third week of everybody getting mad, it dawned on him that nobody's going to listen to me unless they understand that I actually like them. Yeah, yeah. And he said that was like, yeah. somebody told him that, and it was yeah. like, you know, like knee-buckling, yeah. fall-down kind of right. thing. You know? It's like people have to understand it's like you're offering them a place like, hey, I found a great restaurant or I had something that I think you'll like. You know, I found something that's really good. I want to do that. They they need to look at you in that light like you're offering them something that yeah. you're trying to do them a favor rather than being a policeman. Say, I'm coming here to crack some heads. God sent me here to go crack your head. Yep. You know? Now, you know, if it comes to the case where like there's a bridge out ahead and you jump up and down in front of the car and say, stop, 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 there's a bridge out. I mean, some people, you know, they're, they're flirting close to that in life and that doesn't maybe look real loving at first mm-hmm. and they find out later, but definitely style is, is important with people until they understand what substance is. Now, I think that was, uh, the, the, the bulk of the, uh, uh, he says here at the end of it, he says, Bulk has been a critic of scientists and advocates such as Al Gore, who contend man is causing catastrophic changes in Earth's climate. Seems inconsistent with him talking about supporting global warming, doesn't it? E, to say the least. And boy, he is being played up. The money behind Glenn Beck is unreal. Yep. And uh, Almost he, as much as there is for future questions. And he's telling people if you question some of the actions of the government around things like 911 or any of the aftermath or terrorism, mm-hmm. that uh, you're basically a terrorist yourself. Well, one thing, one thing that I think would be incredibly revealing uh, is the fact that people tend to try. They don't just let it go away. If there wasn't any legitimate questions, you would think that uh, a perfectly rational uh, mm-hmm. You know, people tend to argue that the uh, the the public at large is perfectly rational, and so it's, mm-hmm. as time goes on, things that are irrational get fall right. away and they instead just dissipate. Yeah, yeah, and instead this thing is getting more and bigger and bigger and bigger. We mm-hmm. now see 
you know, just recently saw somebody who was running for a, a congressional, or I'm sorry, mm-hmm. a, a governor, gubernatorial seat that had made some conciliatory statements about it. We've seen prime ministers uh, and of different countries. You're talking about the it. woman in Texas, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, other things like that, although I've heard that she's maybe changed her stance on that somewhat, too. They got to her. They bummer. put the pressure on her. Uh, the, you know, it's not the people saying this. It is big media said, oh, you'll be unelectable. If you say there's even questions, even if there's questions that should be answered about 911, mm-hmm. and uh, they put the pressure on her and she succumbed. No, that's too so bad. That's the word out today. So, that's okay, too bad. you got a story for us? Yeah. Uh, law enforcement is tracking American cell phones in real time without warrants. Pretty, okay. pretty relaxed. Yeah. Uh, via Newsweek. Uh, and I will say this, uh, as I as I read this story. If this is out in the news just about law enforcement, what do you think the intelligence community is doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, amid all the fear over the Bush administration's warrantless wiretapping program a few, years, a few years ago, a mini-revolt was brewing over another type of federal snooping that was getting no public attention at all. Federal prosecutors were seeking that they seem to be an unusually... Uh, to be unusually sensitive records, internal data from telecommunications companies that showed the location of their customers' cell phones, sometimes in real time, sometimes after the fact. The prosecutors said they needed the records to trace the movements of suspected drug traffickers, human smugglers, even corrupt public officials. But many federal magistrates whose job it is, whose job is to sign off on search warrants and handle over routine court duties were spooked by the requests. Some in New York, Pennsylvania Tech, and Texas balked. Prosecutors were using the cell phone as a surreptitious tracking device, said Stephen W. Smith, a federal magistrate in Houston. And I started asking the U.S. Attorney's Office, what is the legal authority for this? What is the legal standard for getting this information? Those questions are now at the core of a constitutional clash between President Obama's Justice Department and civil libertarians, alarmed by what they see as the government's relentless intrusion into the private lives of citizens. There are numerous other fronts in the privacy wars about the content of emails, for instance, and access to bank records and credit card transactions. Uh, content of emails, they're all, they've already admitted to vacuuming up the entirety of everything set over, sprint, mm-hmm. you know, put over the inter- Internet. Have you been hearing about the story this week? It's been in the news about uh, there's a school district that had laptops for their kids. Yes. And they're monitoring the, through the camera. I have the thing when they didn't know what the kids know they were being monitored. Well, I mean that that just to me says that we've now entered the police state for three reasons. One is that it actually happened. Two, if you read the article, their they you know their defense is is like a textbook case of what uh, uh, George Orwell would call like doublespeak. They say, look, we totally did this, and yeah, we didn't explain it in the writer to the uh, to loaning out the laptops, but we didn't spy on anybody. Huh. They just like to have the capability <laughs> to have it there. I mean, come on. They didn't inhale. In other yeah. Words. Yeah. Well, even more, even not only are they have they been caught uh, because they they accused the reason they were found out about that whole thing is they accused some kid of being a drug dealer because they flipped the camera on and they saw him eating Mike and Ike candies which looked like little red pills. Yeah. Right. You know, and then they yeah they, they like little like, contact yeah, tablet. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. and then uh, in school the school the next day they told him they they brought him to the office and you know threatened him and said that you're a drug dealer we saw you and now they're saying well look we didn't spy on anybody and I mean it's it's like it is if you read 1984 it would be the exact thing that they say about double speak you know yeah. and that's their 
that's their defense mm-hmm. over the spying case. And everybody seems to shrug, you know, it's like, hey, uh, l- folks out there, Futurians, if, if you hear any other Christian radio talking about that and being really concerned about it, email us and let us know. Yeah. Because I'd like to know if that's something that, you know, a lot of times we, our concerns seem to be unique in Christian radio. They're mm-hmm. more concerned with getting the next war going. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to know if anybody else seems to be consumed with the threat of that. Sure, sure. Or would they just like to be on the other end, watching inside people's homes and knowing when they did something wrong? Well, you know, Mark Faber, and we unfortunately I've frittered away our time, I'm sorry, uh, but Mark Faber in one of the other stories I have in my stack here has recommended to the world, uh, well, to, to hedge fund managers and, and other money, mm-hmm. high, high uh, you know, financial people, has said that everybody, you all need to buy gold mm-hmm. and you need to buy farmland cottages outside of town uh, because there's going to be there's they're going to find an enemy and they're going to do bad stuff that's not me saying that that's mark faber one of they're going to find an enemy like basically set up a yeah bogus find, enemy they're going to find an enemy well mark faber is like a world-known uh i mean world-renowned uh yeah he's, economic he's specialist. one of the top financial managers in the world and he's saying they're going to set up some kind of enemy yeah he said they're going to set up an enemy and it's going to be a dirty war and they're going to blow up stuff. and In addition to the ones they've already set up? Yes. Okay. And that people need to be buying farmland and gold because it's transportable. And it doesn't lose its value like money does, paper okay. money. Okay. But anyway, um, anyway that's that's the basic. Okay. I, I could go on and on, but I, okay. I, I, I surrender the balance of my time we to you. We need a 24-hour sure. news channel, don't we? Future Quake, 24-hour. <laughs> We'd be so depressed. I, mean, I feel like I live in that as I much time as it takes preparing for reading yeah. books and the show. And I'm, I'm a little slow-witted, so it takes me longer. Oh, yeah. Only I'm slow-witted. PhD, master's degree, and world-renowned, you know. Unemployed. Uh, this is... Uh, hey, that's right. This the is, first time ever I'm employed and you're not. Yeah, rub it Whoa! in. Why, rub it in, why don't you? Can you, can you <laughs> Something's spare, wrong here. Can you spare it down, buddy? We better result bizarre You know, worlds. the worst thing is I don't care. High five, man. Okay. Yeah. I just just want to serve the Lord and yeah. enjoy this. That's it right there. Keep Miss Future happy. Uh, this is, uh, and the Lord happy most of all, mm-hmm. uh, from our buddies at Infowars.com. Uh, we read a lot of their stories uh, because they cover these issues that are important that the mainstream media, I believe, usually has financial interests that preclude them from saying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes against the agenda that they have. And InfoWars will actually cover things like foreign press wire uh, stories, other stories that are in the news wires that get shelved to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they cover here. Now, they mix a little editorial in it, so I, our, our longtime listeners have picked up on that. But uh, here's the story. It says, uh, Palin tells Tea Party to merge with Republican Borg Hive. <laughs> uh, awesome. Tea, Tea Party Sarah threw a bucket of cold water on the movement the other day. Speaking before a crowd of Republican faithfuls in Arkansas on Tuesday, Palin praised the movement, I'm a Tea Party movement, mm-hmm. the corporate media claim she owns, and then said independents have to pick a party. Now, I heard her say this in an audio clip. She declared America is firmly mired in the two-party system, and the Tea Party has to make a choice. Uh, the smart thing will be for independents who are part such of a tea, this Tea Party movement to, I guess, kind of start picking a party, Palin said. Well, she's a traitor then. Which party reflects how that? Did I say that? How that smaller, smarter government steps to be taken? Yeah, that's pretty strong words. Yeah. Uh, which party will best fit you? 
And then, because, you know, somewhere in the Constitution, it's yet to be one of two parties. Isn't it in there? Look that yeah, well, up and see. Well, not only that, I think it's in the Old Testament, too, according yeah. to some other radio show hosts. And and then because the Tea Party, that's right, they said it wasn't biblical to not yeah. vote for one you of the two parties. You either have to pick one That's of what the they things. said on camera. I know. That's right. well, yeah, I know. That's yeah. absolutely. I'm not making that up. Right. I mean, that's not a joke, and even the, though it's funny. Right. And then she says, and then because the Tea Party movement is not a party, and we have a two-party system, uh, they're going to have to pick a party and run one or the other. Uh, and, uh, she then said the Republican Party platform best reflects the beliefs of the Tea Party movement. Her remarks were received directly from the 2008 pres- vice presidential stump, including a repeated invocations of former President Ronald Reagan. Uh, so anyway, and then they talk about some of these people, uh, at the $175 per seat event in Arkansas, she showed her true colors, uh, the colors of a warmongering neocon. She said that a nuclear weapon in the hands of a regime or terrorist group was the biggest threat to the country, specifically mentioning Iran. Uh, and um, did she mention anything about rendition or kidnapping you know, she the wrong people and flying them to the middle of nowhere and uh, torturing, torturing innocent them? people? Yeah. No, I don't see that in her comments. I must have missed mm-hmm. that in there. But maybe that's later on in the transcript. Now, she's a good Christian person because I know she wouldn't want the innocent to suffer because God doesn't. I don't see that in her comments in here. Um. Well, that's that's basically the gist of it. Sweet, you know. She'll give that wink to the camera again, and Christians will swoon. Whoa! We got about a minute and a half. All right. I'll, I'll blast the. Uh, I brought a story just for emergencies such as this. Oh, break break glass. Yeah. <laughs> story. Okay. Domestic terrorist. Ter- I'm sorry. Domestic terrorism is as big a problem as international terrorism. Uh, according to um, Janet Napolitano. This is from the Washington Post. Okay. Uh, Americans who turn to terrorism and plot against the U.S. are now as big a concern as international terrorists, Homeland Security Janet, uh, Secretary Janet Napolitano said Sunday. The government is just starting to confront this reality and does not have a good handle on how to prevent someone from becoming a violent extremist, uh, she said. In the last year, Napolitano said... Uh, she's witnessed a movement from international extremism to domestic extremism, cases in which Americans radicalized and decided to plot attacks against the country. Hmm. Uh, well, according to the news I've recently heard, extremists would be people like Ron Paul and his movement. Yeah, that's well, what anybody who believes on. that the, the Constitution, anybody who believes in the Bible. Yeah, that's officially written in the DHS reports. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the yeah. DHS says right-wing extremists... Uh, that she's referring to here that need to be monitored. People mm-hmm. who are pro-life, people who mm-hmm. believe in the sovereignty of our nation, don't believe in giving over to the UN, mm-hmm. defending our borders, believing in Second Amendment rights. Those well, are all South in that Carolina category. just tried to float a law that said that you had to, uh, if you were uh, belonged to any one of these quote unquote anti-American groups, you had to register. Hmm. You had to register. Yeah. Like putting like the yellow uh, Star of David on your chest, basically. Well, I don't know about that, but you had to go and give your name and address. Same and, thing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's similar. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of floating, uh, Merv, would you float in here and tell our listeners how to contact us at FutureQuake? FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. 
Comments on the shows, topics, or guests, or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, that's the end of the line. All right. Well, never enough time for new stories. I still got a couple more here. I want to talk about McCain saying he was wrong about the banker bailout because, you know, he did vote for it. He did. Yep. Come back next week. We have a great guest next week. But until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake.